Outside the virtual hardwood, it's the NLSC podcast, episode number 324. Andrew with you once again to talk about basketball video games, as we always do here on the show. That's kind of our whole thing of the NLSC. And I'm joined once again by Derek, aka Deep3 in the forum. I'm glad to be here, and I'm pumped that later we can talk a little bit about the game I've been diving into um, recently is uh, NBA Shootout 2004. Uh, it's just a, a huge eye-opener. We uh, we both have some additions to our collection recently, I suppose, and have uh, been going back and looking at some old games, as the as the case may be, so that's something we want to talk about this week. Uh, a lot of people seem to be seem to be enjoying those conversations, and it is fun. I mean, nostalgia is something there's a lot of backlash against nostalgia these days, which is unfortunate. We've talked about that before as far as the uh, the real NBA is concerned and, and video games as well. It's 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 across all genres of video games and, and you you've you've seen those comments I'm sure, Derek, where people will say, Oh, I, I can't I can't believe I used to think this looked good and here's the thing, at at the time, it did. Absolutely. And then there's certain things that still hold up. Um, not just in the basketball gaming space, but in in like the RPG or action or adventure gaming space and and, and graphics are not everything. Um, and then there's also, you know, the topic of, hey, you know what? Sometimes these simpler graphics are more appealing to some people. You've even seen people sometimes on the forum say that they prefer the graphic direction of the older games, the simple, the more simple graphics, um, and the more simple gameplay and stuff like that. So there is definitely still, um, like you said, there there's some, quote-unquote, there's a lot of hate towards some of the older games Fair, um, yeah. and a lot of devaluing and de- um, discrediting um, some of the um, retro games that we, you know, the older games from the nineties and the, in the early two thousands. But um, at the same time, there's still a lot of people who do enjoy them and there's still a lot of good things about them. And certainly there are games of all genres that, <laughs> you know, they don't hold up very well. And, and those are the ones that we've, I point them out on way back Wednesday, you see them on YouTube, Twitter, etc. Uh, people talking about those as well. Not everything holds up because the the early 3D era in particular is is certainly not graphically appealing because they were really working out that uh, the polygon ceiling that they had to punch through when they were went to 3D and sometimes controls in old games are very primitive when they're working it out. And uh, as, as pointed out, because my recent editions include uh, a Nintendo 64 uh, game, which is NBA Jam 99, and uh, the, the the N64 controller wasn't really meant for sports games or, for that matter, fighting games. I mean, they made it work, but uh, that there's a reason that control uh, configuration, that control design, was uh, was phased out with the 64. Well, a couple things with that. Uh, number one, my brother and I were talking about this last night. There was a big jump from PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2 graphically and physics-wise. There's a, there's a sizable jump. Um, when you go back and you play PlayStation 1 games to PlayStation 2, um, like you said, PlayStation 1 was kind of the beginning of those like 3D-type games like NBA Live 96. And, and they're like, blocky, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, uh, the, 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 it's blocky, and the, and the animations aren't completely fleshed out. The, um, the gameplay is, um, as a result, not as responsive at times or not as good. Um, and then you got that jump on PlayStation 2. Um, at some point, I'd like to jump into um, how underrated, underappreciated, and just how amazing the Nintendo GameCube and Dreamcast were. Sega Dreamcast and GameCube had really smooth graphics. Um, you know, they were really smooth as far as, um, you know, they were reactive. The, um, they, and they produced some great games. Um, I, I want to say, you know, sorry, I, I wanted to say that, you know, look at games like 
courtside 2002 on the GameCube, and look how unbelievably smooth that game was and how good it looked and stuff like that. I think those two were probably the two um, most underrated systems maybe of all time. And I'll admit that I actually haven't played GameCube or, or Dreamcast. I, I didn't have them. I was on uh, PlayStation 2 at that point and only had the one console for uh, per generation, usually. And, and yeah, nobody I knew actually had them at the time. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's ones that I've missed out on. So you look at some of those games, like the two courtside games that were on GameCube. You know, I have courts, the first courtside on uh, Nintendo 64. still have that, in fact. Um, well, I, actually, I, I traded in and have since bought it again. <laughs> since I still have the console, so I, I got the game again to uh, flush out the collection. But it's... And it is great to go back and, and discover these. It's why I do the Way Back Wednesday, not just to revisit the games that I grew up with and really enjoy, or just to see if they hold up or, or whatever, but to actually go back and see see games that I never played as well has been one of the most rewarding things about Way Back Wednesday. But as you say, there is that that hate, that uh, discrediting of the the old systems, which is unfortunate. Uh, again, some hold up, some don't. It's always fun to go back and, and look at, and uh, we are going to talk about that and, and talk about simplistic controls and their, their more simplistic experience and graphics and how some people, in fact, how, how it can be fun and how and even preferable. But uh, we do have some other news to, to cover first, which includes uh, NBA 2K20 currently being on sale across various digital platforms, including the Switch and Xbox One. Uh, I know on PS4 recently it was down to $8 as well. Uh, I actually had a friend who has been watching The Last Dance. He wasn't really a basketball fan growing up, but uh, has been watching The Last Dance and went ahead and got to NBA 2K20. So you can see the uh, the power of marketing, Derek. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some commentary about that on Twitter where they were like, I wasn't really much into basketball, but, you know, this is unbelievable, right? So um, even though it wasn't groundbreaking for you or I, um, there are a lot of young people um, who were not watching during that time period or even alive during that time period who... Um, this was like an introduction to what Jordan and those Bulls teams accomplished. So I do think that there's um, that it's drawing people in and, and, and it is creating new fans of the sport possibly. Um, and even Jordan himself and those Bulls teams. And certainly uh, there, and Pitt- there is the backlash, the, the clutch, <laughs> clutch sports backlash to that, to it. And you see it, uh, that working overdrive, but it is nice to see that, that appreciation because that's the kind of appreciation that, uh, that we had when we when we got all those old VHS tapes, the Dazzling Dunks basketball bloopers, the uh, great finishes, furious finishes, uh, all those kinds of, of uh, NBA tapes back in the 90s, and we, we are talking about literal tapes here, VHS tapes, that, that actually went into the history of the game. And it wasn't just the current stars, the contemporary stars of those late, late uh, 80s to early to mid-90s when they were really pumping out those videos, and even to the late 90s, I suppose. But uh, but but going back and going to the history, so it's it's really nice to see that I mean there is criticism of, of the documentary. That's always going to be the way uh, people talking about bias or, or <laughs> I saw somebody calling it a puff piece for Jordan, which uh, I mean if well people are going to have their opinions and they're entitled to them. But like you say, if it's giving people this really cool perspective of basketball and, and history and getting them to really appreciate the sport then i think it's it's doing some good if nothing else and for, for the rest of us it's a, a nice trip down memory lane and, and has been and i think it's been a, a very successful series and certainly if it's getting 2k some sales there are some these extra sales are months after the game has come out over six months since its release so it's well they're, they're cashing in on it if nothing else also if they uh if they really wanted to include everything it probably would have been a 40 hour episode of <laughs> they probably have to continue it all year you know what i mean so well, the game, I, I game of thrones style epic 
right the amount of content that they were in, that they included in that 10 hour piece is that how it was 10 hours right uh yes i want to say yes. Yeah, ten, it was ten, ten episodes, episodes about an hour, yeah, each. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, people need to understand too that they were covering um, years, and if they if they tried to you know include everything, then yeah, whatever. You know the Vernon Maxwell thing. We we talked about this briefly where he had brought up a comment. You know, funny they didn't they completely breezed over, didn't bring up you know our two championships. I want to point something out. First off, this is a Chicago Bulls documentary. Um, yeah. it's, you know, and those years, um, were number one without Jordan, except for the end of 94, 95. And, uh, number two, they, the bulls didn't win the title in those two years and the bulls didn't play the rockets, yeah. uh, in those two years. So I understand what Vernon Maxwell is probably saying. It's like, you know, I don't think people appreciate those two championships as much as they should. And they probably don't get talked about enough because those were amazing. The, you know, Akeem was amazing, and Vernon Maxwell himself was amazing, and those teams were built really well, and they were still playing against amazing competition. Well, um, according uh, to the Rockets fans in the in the comment in the replies to that tweet, uh, he was the Jordan stopper apparently. So yeah, Let, yeah, so, maybe maybe think, we won't go that far, but uh, no, I mean, yeah. and, and you're right. I mean, they 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 do get overlooked. Uh, there's an old. Uh, 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 animated show. I'm not sure if you ever saw it. Uh, it's called uh, God, uh, God, the Devil, and Bob. It only ran for about 13 episodes. It was cancelled due to moral outrage, but it was, uh, which is funny because a former minister was the uh, creator of that series, actually. But it's a very kind of late 90s, uh, dark kind of comedy, uh, animated comedy. It's uh, ran around the the whole animation explosion of the late 90s. And it's it's a shame it didn't take off. I mean, I don't know how much legs it would have had, but there, there is a funny thing where uh, where God is talking to Bob and and make, makes an offhand remark about something not mattering and saying it's it's, just, it's like the Rockets championships when Jordan was out of the league. It's like who cares? And uh, it's it's a funny joke, obviously, but at the same time, it's an unfortunate uh, perpetuated joke that that's there that it doesn't matter because they certainly, at the end of the day, beat some great teams on the way to those two titles. As you said, Akeem was great, and uh, it does get overlooked and. But in in a Bulls documentary, it's it's they're not it's not that relevant to go into depth with it. And people brought up the Pistons and like, well, yes, they they had a rivalry with them, so that's kind of why it was a thing. It's it's kind of strange that people really zone in on that, and uh, and, and it seemed like a lot of Rockets fans were very um, took it very personally for some reason, and were talking about the lack of respect. And and I don't, I don't know about that. I think it's uh, uh, missing the point of the documentary. I think um, I think it would have been an unbelievable series for Jordan's bulls to go up against Akeem's rockets. Um, I think that the rockets would have absolutely had a chance in 94, 95 with Drexler. Um, I think that, you know, they, they had a team surrounding Akeem with shooters. Um, Drexler was a slasher. Vernon Maxwell quit. Um, (laughs) They, uh, you know, early in the playoffs, so he wasn't in the finals. But I think that the Rockets would have given them a run and could have possibly beat the Bulls, but at the same time, we'll never know. Um, and I'm sure that gets to Houston fans uh, yeah. because they never had that. They never had that matchup. They were never able to prove that, you know, you know, Hakeem and the Rockets could have taken down Jordan and the Bulls because they never played against each other in the finals. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's 
nothing, even though Jordan was out of the league, I don't put an asterisk next to those Rockets championships. I think they absolutely earned them, deserve them, and, and um, those are a couple of my favorite teams ever. I, I don't like the, the concept of asterisks in general. I feel like they're, they're always making excuses or, or poor sportsmanship. I, mean, I think there's very few that I would really consider an asterisk there because at the end of the day, you play who shows up. You know, and you've you've you put in a tremendous effort to to win the championship. By the way, oh no, I agree. Um, you know, and the other thing too, really quick, that I, you know, I was just thinking of is, you know, Jordan. I think it was in a book or an interview or whatever. Jordan had mentioned that Hakeem Olajuwon was the player that he he probably feared the most against them, because when Hakeem played the Bulls, they just couldn't stop him. Right. Yeah. So that, that kind of adds fuel to the fire. Um, as well, and if you think about it, the, the Rockets team in '96, '97 that lost to the Jazz in six in the Western Conference Finals. That team had, while older, they still had Olajuwon, Barkley, and Drexler, mm. and a well-built team of shooters with Eddie Johnson, and then they also had Kevin Willis off the bench as a big. That team, how much you, how amazing would that series have been in the 1997 Finals of? Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman versus Akeem Barkley and Drexler. People were that expecting been... it, I think. I think we were expecting it. Then the yeah. Jazz came out and, yeah, got over the hump. They were. So I wonder how much that, you know, I see comments every now and then, too, and I think that hurt Houston fans as well, is the fact that that was another chance. Yeah. That was another chance, the Pitt, Akeem versus Jordan, and the Rockets versus the Bulls. And, again, you know, people want to call Stockton a plumber. And Carl Malone and, and Stockton inferior and, and those jazz teams not that great and all of that stuff. But those jazz teams took out so many amazing teams. They took out Robinson Spurs multiple years. They took out Shaq in, um, in the playoffs. They, they took out so many amazing Western Conference teams, but people still want to discredit them just to discredit Jordan. It's, it's unreal. It's, uh, I mean, what people like to hang their hat on, what ifs, and it's, it's always a fun discussion, but it's not really proof of anything, as, as we know. And, uh, and speaking of the Jazz, obviously, uh, condolences to the, the friends and family of uh, Jerry Sloan, uh, Jazz legend, of course, as a coach, and also the original Mr. Bull as well, with the, as, as a player. And uh, yeah, that, that was a, a, a sad loss for the, the NBA this week. Uh, obviously, uh, he's been in poor health in recent years with uh, uh, Parkinson's and Louis body dementia. Uh, Two two conditions that were together are, are very um, you know that's that's a, a a sharp descent unfortunately if you're uh, an older person with those uh, conditions but uh, you know uh, Jerry Sloan a bona fide hall of, hall of famer as a a player and a coach I shared an article about um, Jerry Sloan that was written at the beginning of 2019 where he was starting to lose his memory and his um, and his motor skills and um, it's an amazing article because you know most uh, former players who, who played for him stayed in contact. And they said that, you know, Stockton was calling him like every week, like talked to him on the phone every week and he'd get visited by Carl Malone and Mark Eaton and Thurl Bailey um, and a few other jazz would have dinner with him frequently and stuff like that. And that tells you how great of a coach and guy he was is that they, you know, they stayed in contact um, with him and checked on him constantly. And it also showed like a, um, uh, a side of him that, you know, fans didn't see because they saw him storming up and down the sidelines and, um, kind of you know, gruff. being, yeah, kind of gruff guy. And then, you know, you hear, you see his humble side and his sense of humor, um, in that article. So I think that was one of the better written pieces that, that I've seen. Um, and even guys like Darren Williams, who they said that had a feud 
with Jerry Sloan and was, you know, the reason why he ended up um, jumping out of coaching and whatnot. Even he, I guess, um, sung his praises and, and stayed in contact with um, with him. You know, and the other part that gets forgotten is how great he was as a player. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, he's a Chicago Bulls legend. He was a two-time All-Star, one of the best defenders. Um, he was a 6'5 shooting guard. Um, and he had, if you look up highlights in, of Jerry Sloan as a player, he had a really sweet looking shot. Um, and he was good at going to the hoop and stuff like that. And he was as great of a coach as he was. He was as good of a player. And mm-hmm. I think that it's lost in all of this, especially because as a player, he started out in the sixties. So yeah, a lot yeah. of people don't, don't know. So it's uh, kind of a rough year for the NBA 2020. We started out losing uh, David Stern. Then of course, Kobe's tragic passing and there, I mean, this, Obviously, he's been in, Sloan has been in ill health for a while, but uh, yeah, it's not a <laughs> in the pandemic and the season going on hold. It's uh, not really a lot of good news in 2020, unfortunately. Yeah, and we lost John Havlicek last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, it's just uh, sad. Is we still have Bill Russell hanging around? Though. Absolutely, so absolutely. We've still got him uh, flipping off Charles Barkley. In uh... <laughs> every now and then, I think back to Bill Russell flipping people off, and it makes me happy. Absolutely. So. But um, rest in peace, Jerry Sloan. Um, yeah, and, and circling back, obviously, to uh, to NBA 2K20 being on sale. It's this is something they've done the last few years, in, in particular, to really get those those numbers back up. And uh, I know that's a bit of a rough segue there, but uh, we we did kind of uh, drift into uh, other topics there. But it's they're obviously trying to get those numbers to look as as good as possible. And NBA Live has tried the same thing in recent years as well by going on sale at various points of the year. And I think certainly after seven or eight months of the game coming out, that's uh, that's that's when you want to put it on sale. I think, and if you are going to do this, and it's it's obviously effective because someone like my friend who, who watched the Last Dance and thought, oh, you know, you know, feeling ba- in the mood for basketball, and I'll check this out for eight dollars. It's for for some, for those of us who who buy it full price at launch, or the people who buy the uh, the special editions and everything at launch and pre order. I, I guess we we've got the years of frustrations and complaints and, and legacy issues and everything, uh, somebody who is a more casual fan for $8 uh, that or whatever, and it's similar prices, I think around 4 or 5 on the uh, on the eShop and Nintendo Switch and, and I think 450 or so on Xbox One, that's US dollars. Uh, yeah, it's... I mean, it, it's smart business. You've got to give them that. I mean, yeah, you, you get get 2K20 for 20 bucks, but, you know, if you want 2K17 on Steam, it's 60 that's the logic behind that. We don't want you to go back and buy those older games. You've got to buy the new game to pump up our numbers. Um, it is funny how that works. Like, if you go on Steam right now, you're going to see 2K17, 2K18, and 2K19 for 60 bucks. But, um, yeah, 2K20 is on sale. Um, but, no, I, I think it's this is a really good opportunity for people to pick up the game, especially because, you know, people are at home. They're spending more time at home. They can spend more time on the game. Um, and the fact that they're still going to have months to play it. Uh, especially if they're, you know, banking on grabbing a PS5 or getting the new version of the game that comes out in November. That's a couple extra months of them being able to play 2K20 and having something to play. So I recommend anybody who doesn't have it and, you know, has 20 bucks to drop or whatnot, I recommend them, you know, picking it up because that's possibly like five months of good entertainment before the new game comes out. Well, you look at the current plans to get the season back up and running. They're talking about the, the 21 season starting in December, around about Christmas time. 
is the the current plan with the, the draft in September. So I would imagine that's going to push NBA 2K21 back at least a month or so from the usual September release. Very possible. Um, I, I like I said, I think any time and the game has gone on sale over the last few months a few times, which is good. Um, I think that um, anybody who likes the NBA and who's who's been thinking about trying the game, um, I, I do recommend picking it up because it could give you. You know, it's not for everybody. We, we've already talked so many times about the issues with the game, um, the legacy issues and some of the issues between the lines with the gameplay. But there are still a lot of people who are getting enjoyment out of it. And that, you know, that person could, you know, you could fall in that category. And, uh, and to your point, I've just brought up the, the Steam store at the moment. I, I think it's mostly consoles that it's on sale for at the moment. But uh, it is, as you say, down to uh, 20, uh, 20 US dollars, 23 Australian dollars. But then you look down the list at uh, NBA 2K Playgrounds 2, 47.95 Australian, and, and the rest of them at 69.95, 2K17, 18, and 19. In fact, I'm kind of surprised that 17 is still in the store. With, with, it being, with the servers being shut down for every year now, I, I would have thought that would be uh, one of the first. I, I would have thought they'd be out of the store by now. I bet it's gone by the end of the summer. I think it'll be gone. Uh, that, that's what they've been doing. It's a damn shame too, because there's still people. We've talked about NBA 2K11 in the past. It's it, there's still people that want to download those games. You know yep. what I mean? They want to purchase them, and I still think people would you know pump twenty or thirty dollars into those games um, if they were in the store. So um, I, I'd, I'd it consider is, just don't have to swap discs anymore. In fact, I, I regret not getting it on Steam when I had the chance because it's just for the convenience, if nothing else. I got lucky because I got the Amazon download. Mm, so right. I ordered it off of Amazon and I had the option to get the download. So the best thing is, is every 2K from 2K 11, 12, 13, 14, all the way up to 2K 20, I have on my PC where I don't have to swap discs. I so, that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, yeah, I've, got, it's, I've, I've got nine, 13, 14, then everything forward from that, uh, on, uh, on steam. But yeah, uh, 10, 11, 12, uh, I missed out on, unfortunately. It would have been uh, quite handy to, to have. And I, I'm sure it comes down to the licensing rights because there's so many players in the... And I can tell you from working on the 2K11 rosters how many players in that game are no longer in the league. Many, <laughs> about, about 80% of them, it feels like. So it's it probably comes down to that. But at the sh- same time, it's a shame how quickly that they, they do leave the store and that being digital only, that, that is the problem with uh, digital distribution is that once it's taken off the store or a streaming platform, it's gone. When you have a physical copy, if there is one a benefit to the physical copy, it's that once you've got it, as long as that you've got that copy and it doesn't get lost or broken or whatever, destroyed, uh, disc scratch beyond repair or whatever, you uh, you do have it. So there is that benefit to the physical copies. And like we talked about in the previous show, I think it was even last week that we talked about it, there is something special about being able to hold that physical copy in your hands. So on top of that, uh, and for, for retro collectors, if you missed out on 2K16 for PC, um, for example, with that being the the, the latest one that's not available, uh, too bad. So so it's it's special to be able to hold that physical copy in your hand. But at the same time, for the collector, if you miss out, um, yeah, it's 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 too late now. I have 2K11, 2K12, and 2K13 for the PC, but I also have the boxes and uh, the games for uh, PlayStation 2, excuse me, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 sitting under my TV cabinet. Same. <laughs> sitting in my... So, yeah, as silly as that sounds for people. I, I think what people need to realize, though, is um, sometimes us collectors are smart and can find cheaper deals oh, yeah. on yeah. games. You know, if you go into the right GameStop, 
um, I always mix this up. I mean, I think GameSpot, no, GameStop, GameStop the store, yeah. like the actual business store, GameStop. Let's get that mixed up with GameSpot. But if you go into GameStop and you go into the Xbox 360 or PS3 section, oftentimes you can find these games for three bucks, like three or four bucks, and some, you know, at max maybe eight or nine. Um, so that's what I've done in the past. It's like, you know what? I want the box art, and I still want those games for PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360, so I walk into a GameStop. And I'll be like looking for um, the pre-owned, and that, that at least I'll have. Men- that is the collector's mentality, and there's been a few games where I've, uh, for example, NC- NCAA Basketball Ten. Uh, I I got a disc only copy. The it didn't come with the manual, didn't come with the the box. Would have been nice to have the box art, but at the same time, it was everything. All the copies that I could find of that game, complete in box, were very expensive. I at the end of the day wanted the game to play and to do content for. So I saw the uh, an affordable price for that. You know, yeah, sometimes you do see the them just selling the box and manual separately. So if I ever have the spare money and it's not too much, I might get it as a collector. But I wanted the game to play. So if you can get complete in box, it's like any kind of collecting uh, with video games. If you can get complete in box, it's nice. But if you want the game, uh, you can also get really good de- deals on eBay or, or secondhand, as you say, with uh, just the generic box and just the game. Yep, and and I think it's and I said this on the last show. There is something absolutely awesome still about walking into a store and and browsing. Yep, through absolutely. the games and looking at the box arts and reading the back of the boxes um, and stuff like that. And that never gets old for me. A, a really good retro uh, find as well, whether it's a like a flea market or a secondhand shop like that, or you know, game trading shop. It's uh, it, to, to find that uh, that deal and get that. It's uh, it's it's really special, and and you feel a uh, accomplished kind of that you've been able to add to your collection and, and do so at a, a decent price and to have uh, to have discovered it you know like uh, like finding buried treasure it is it really is though and you know i've said this before so, so many times but you know anybody that feels bad about basketball gaming at their age or, or collecting and stuff just remember it's no difference than anybody who collects cars or works on their cars you know what i mean or yeah. has Stamp these other hobbies that's yep exactly exactly stamp collectors you know some people collect puzzles yeah you know so you know just because just because it has to do with virtual basketball gaming or or video gaming somehow it's inferior or it's childish or anything like that just never never get caught up in that there's nothing wrong with that and not to undermine those other hobbies because again it it would kind of undermine your point rather of uh, to, to talk down about those hobbies but if there is a a benefit to collecting video games, whether it's possible games or all kinds of games or any specific uh, particular genre of, uh, of video games, it's that if you enjoy playing them, you cannot just, it's not just a matter of collecting something that sits on the shelf, although it does look nice to have as a collection, but you can actually go back and play them as long as you have the hardware, of course. Uh, so it's, right. it's a very tangible thing to collect that you can actually do something with. I mean, I've got all my old basketball cards from the 90s, which we all thought was going to pay for uh for uni or or a car or a house or something uh, i still have them so you can you know glean from that what you will as far as their value uh, i don't regret buying them because they were fun to collect back in the day they're fun to pull out and have a look at every now and again but as far as what i collect uh compared to cards versus games the the games uh <laughs> have more tangible value in so much as that i can pop them in and, and play them rather than just look at them right exactly and there's definitely nothing wrong with you know like i said Working on cars, collecting cars, just stamp collecting. It's whatever you enjoy. Who cares? It brings, that's, you, that's it brings the, you pleasure. It brings you enjoyment and fulfillment. 
you know, more power right. to you. Absolutely. And I mean, you can share, so you can show somebody a basketball card that you have. That's great. That lasts about five seconds. True. But if you, you know, jump, if you play a basketball gaming and you want to share it with other people and play it with other people, you can have hours of entertainment on that same game. Absolutely. And we will uh, come back to that and talk about our recent additions to the collection and some games that we've, we've been playing, uh, some retro games we've been playing recently. Once again, people seem to be enjoying that. And we definitely appreciate the... Uh, it's been nice to get some uh, positive feedback on the show lately. It's it's really uh, heartening, Derek, to uh, hear about people, you know, see people sharing it on social media, which we definitely appreciate people sharing the, the show and spreading the word about it, but also uh, leaving some nice comments and uh, responding to what we're talking about. It's uh, Yeah, we, we definitely want to encourage people to do that because it it's, feels really good. I feel like we cover we cover a lot here, um, and we talk about you know real basketball at times as well, um, you know hot topics, and and also um, just basketball gaming in general. I mean, we go back to the '80s, you know, sometimes with our conversations, um, and it's I do think that there's a lot of value um, in this show, and I think that it's and I agree I would agree not to sound like like boasting us, but I think it is a good listen, and it's always been a good listen. And it's, um, I think it's something that I'd like to see even more commentary on and more people share, um, because like I said, we're doing, you know, roughly a two hour show every week. And I think we, we do definitely cover a lot. And it's, it's always fun to, to get on here and uh, talk to each other about that. And hopefully that does come across to, to people. So once again, we do thank you for your feedback and, and interests and certainly feel free to leave us those positive reviews on those, those various podcatching platforms, which we'll run down at the end of the show. But it's it's been really cool to get those comments too, because um, yeah, as as, uh, as you alluded to, it's been fun for us to to get on here and talk about these things, and we plan on doing that for for some time yet, basically. And it's uh, it's hard to run out of topics. Yeah, and thank you. Yeah, and I do want to say that thank you. You know, the Live King, um, Sticky Fingers, um, MP3. Uh, so that's Mike um, and others who have been commenting and sharing, and you know truly getting into the shows and stuff like that. So I definitely appreciate that because like, we like talking about it, but the comments are just more fuel for us. The feel, the feedback is, is more fuel for us. And I really enjoy doing the shows. Absolutely. And we will run down those again, those digital platforms where you can find the, uh, find the show apart from the NLC at the end of the show. Before we move on to that retro gaming topic again, this week in our collections and the, the idea of the, simplistic controls and graphics sometimes being better which is definitely the case we were talking about that before we started recording the show there is some more nba 2k20 news to share uh there's also a there's a patch 1.13 out i should say uh patch 13 patch 1.13 whatever you want to call it latest title update for the game it uh, does not have many many more fixes derek it has in fact it has no patch notes at all but from the official reddit official uh, nba 2k subreddit on uh, on reddit obviously the uh, users have gleaned the fact that the, it has uh, a hot fix for what is it uh, my team unlimited which is the uh, online mode of, uh, of of my team there one of the one of the online modes of my team there so it's a hot fix for that as far as we can see no other official patch notes uh good that they're do, still doing it and still fixing the game and, and pushing through these hot fixes like the hot fix that fixed the uh <laughs> the music during the free throw problem that was definitely a, an issue and, and we talked about how we had an unofficial fix thanks to uh, Mahmood in the forum for the the PC version at least so they've pushed through that hot fix but it's we, we've got we've definitely gotten to that point I think where we're getting these little hot fixes but they're not really acknowledging them so we're we're kind of left in the dark about them which is not great but at the same time they are very small updates so it's kind of like you know it's it's, it's what you expect at this point of the year basically 
we knew that there weren't going to be any more gameplay fixes or tweaks really yeah. um we had talked about that before that usually stops around march um or april even sometimes a little bit earlier as far as like actual gameplay fixes so i'm not i'm not surprised by that as far as them still tending to the my team modes and still working on the game um good for them um i think that's that's what they need to do i mean i, I saw dirk Nowitzki my team like it was like an opal card or whatever where he had like 91 on ball handling and he had all these ridiculous ratings and stuff like that so that's still off-putting to me yeah um that they're still having um those ridiculous cards in my team and i don't i don't support the way they run my team to be honest i think we've talked about this before mm, yeah. um um offline uh, you know the, like you said the online part my team unlimited um or just my team in general but um i don't know i i i want to say that the the positive to be taken out of it is the fact that they're still updating the game they're still patching a little and and when i say I, by the way I, you know i've been a huge critique um critic of them doing multiple patches but normally when when i get upset is when they do so many patches to the gameplay like the actual on court basketball aspect yeah, um yeah. like we had talked about it they had nine in the first two months for 2k20 about that I and know, yeah. Yeah, and each one had different like gameplay tweaks and and stuff like that. So you know, patches to the modes and stuff like that. I think those are fine. They can do they can do that all year long. But it's when you change the actual gameplay and continue to change the gameplay and sometimes hurt the gameplay. That's when it's a, pro- I mean, a as, problem. As, as far as fixing technical problems, my my view is as many patches as it takes to get the game stable before the new one comes out. Um, it, it comes to a point where they're obviously not going to push it through because they're working on the new game, but it is, as you said, the problem is when it's when each patch has major tuning updates, or of course they push the tuning updates through in between the big patches as well. It, but it's when it gets too many of that, too many changes to the gameplay, and it's feeling like a different game, uh, patch to patch and uh, month to month when they're, when they're releasing patches like that, that it really does become a problem. But this seems to be just a, a regular fix, just a hot fix for a problem that's been identified. So that's good to see. I think there was an exploit that uh, the people were. Again, I don't play that mode. I do play my team, but I don't play that particular mode because <laughs> online in 2K? <laughs> yeah, thanks. No thanks. Um, but uh, there was an exploit, as I understand it, that, uh, that people were using to, to get easy wins by forcing people to quit, I believe, if, I, if I've got that information correct. Uh, from what I've seen, uh, uh, people like Shake and Bake and such uh, talk about on Twitter. So they fixed that from, these, from the sounds of things. That is what they should be doing. Um, they they should be doing you know on on top of those issues because they're certainly on top of issues where people are exploiting the game to get VC. So it's nice for them to fix issues as well that uh, work against us as well as in our favor. So that that is definitely nice to see that uh, information you can find in our wiki, a complete update history for NBA 2K20, as well as in the forum. Uh, if you do happen to notice any other changes, problems, or, or enhancements with the patch, feel free to post them in the in the thread in the forum. But uh, yeah, that is patch 1.13, just a little hot fix as uh, as far as we can see. Actually, something else before we get on to the, the retro gaming, Derek. Uh, it's actually Madden news, technically, but it does also relate to uh, a possibility for the, the NBA or a, maybe a worst-case scenario, I suppose. But the, uh, the NFL has renewed its exclusive deal with uh, EA for the Madden series. They will continue to be the only, seri- only uh, developer who can produce a sim series for the NFL games. Uh, 2K does uh, getting back into NFL games on an like an arcade kind of game. People did want NFL 2K to come back. That uh, doesn't appear to be well. That's definitely not the case, especially with this uh, renewal of the exclusive deal. And 
I, I don't play Madden, so I, I can't really comment uh, specifically on its problems or its uh, its benefits for that matter. But as I understand it, a lot of people have, uh, as much as they get it every year if they want a football game, much as we get uh, 2K every year if we want a basketball game, and and it's it's kind of no, you don't don't have a choice about that. But as I understand it, it, it certainly has led the exclusive deal has led to Madden uh, becoming stale or, or not having the quality that people would like to see. And it's it just reminds me, Derek, this is something that I really wouldn't want to see for the NBA games because as much as 2K has a virtual monopoly right now, if they could have a total monopoly, it's uh, we've we've seen what they do with some of the uh, moves that are lacking in goodwill. You know, quality of the games aside, the, the lack of goodwill with the, what they do with microtransactions and everything, and not to harp on an issue, but it, it is a persistent issue with NBA 2K. But if they had a, a complete monopoly, an exclusive deal, or, or for that matter, if EA got it and had the exclusive rights with NBA Live nowhere near uh, where it needs to be, that would just be terrible for, for NBA gaming. And we, we've seen what it's happened with, uh, with, with the Madden series and football gaming, but uh, with the NBA, I, I just would not want to see that at all. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast. Um, that would be terrible for basketball gaming, in my opinion. Because it wouldn't allow any competitor to come into the space and pre- freshen things up. It wouldn't be al- allow them to have that NBA license. Um, it wouldn't. Um, it would allow 2K to um, basically continue the practices that are not fair to the consumer. Um, even ramp them up, like we've seen, you know, over the last three years and whatnot, and allow them to become complacent somewhat with their gameplay because they wouldn't be able to have a competitor in that space. People would have to buy 2K almost like they have to right now, right? Because live's been canceling. Um, I think it would be terrible. I, you know, I think I almost equate it to, you know, in my area, there's only one pl- one option for getting cable TV. It, it, for a cable provider, it's Comcast, right? Everybody mm-hmm. hates Comcast. Like, I, and when I say everybody, I mean literally everybody, I think, like in my area, <laughs> in any commentary. We hate Com- Comcast. We hate the price. We hate the service that we get. But what option do we have if we want cable? Hmm. We have yeah. to We have to have Comcast. Um, so I look at it that way. You know, if, if there was another cable provider in my area that um, another service provider other than, like, Xfinity, Comcast, um, then – you know, there would be a lot of people who would jump to that if it offered them like a better experience and whatnot. But people are just stuck with what we have <laughs> um, I mean, and paying for it. Competition so. doesn't guarantee quality or that everyone will do better, but it certainly is a much better chance if uh, if there is competition than if there's no competition. Absolutely. And, I mean, we saw that. I mean, and, and at times, too. If, if there is an inferior option out there as far as, you know, like an overall product, it's still nice to have it. You know what I mean? It's nice to jump to it and get like um, and, and, and play something new every now and then and and still and, and get a different experience. So it doesn't always have to be a better product either. It can just be another option. A, a different um, a different product, something different. Yeah, exactly. And as and if you love the NBA and you love basketball, as we've talked about so many times, um, it was great to have. NBA in the zone, NBA shootout, NBA live, NBA 2K, and um, NBA inside drive, and all of the, you know, NBA courtside, and, you know, all the basketball. To the, I mean, think about it. I just, what, named six that yeah. were going on all at the same time. Uh, many, many years would have at least three or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and sometimes more. Yeah. So I, I think it, just having those options, whether, you know, because some games have some better qualities than others. 
even if one game is better overall. Uh, Definitely. So, yeah, I think I think it'd be great to, for people to have, you know, multiple options. This does seem to be something the NFL wants to do because it's it came in in 2005, I believe, is when they when they did it with with Madden. And my understanding is the NFL offered it. It wasn't a case of the EA necessarily muscling for it, although once, because Madden being such a successful and long-running series for them, once the exclusive deal was put up uh, for bid uh, by the NFL, EA jumped on it. And I, I can't fault EA for, for wanting to do that, for, for trying to protect one of their uh, most uh, successful franchises. But it, it, So it really comes down to, the, I mean, what they've done with the series as far as quality and everything is on the, their head, obviously, as far as what EA has done with it. But as far as getting that deal in the first place, as, as, as I understand it at least, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here because, again, I, it's, I don't follow the Madden series as, as closely, but I do believe it was the NFL that offered that deal. It wasn't EA kind of coming to them and saying, oh, we want an exclusive deal or, or whatever. It was the NFL pushing for it and, and EA jumping at the opportunity. With that in mind, do you think the NBA would ever do it? I feel like I feel like they wouldn't. I feel like the NBA does want to have multiple games out there, especially when you look at all the leeway they've given to NBA Live, given its struggles and giving the license to Sabre Interactive, a, a smaller uh, uh, developer. It's it seems like something the NBA wants to ex- wants to be more expansive with that. Obviously, they they have that relationship with Two K, and now they're partnering with them with the Two K League and everything. But me personally, I'm not sure if the NBA would actually go the NFL route. Well, one thing is, is I do re- remember reading an article about this um, when it happened, and I think you are right. I think the NFL approached EA, and EA jumped on it right away. As you would. With, like, yeah. No yeah, as you would. I mean, that's perfect. I mean, look how much money they've made um, you know, over the years as the exclusive NFL game. Um, number two, you, you had mentioned earlier, you mentioned uh, you know, gameplay, and you mentioned people talking about how Madden's gotten stale and how they haven't really changed their ways. I want you to think about that, how similar that is to 2K, though. Mm, about how, roughly, you know, yeah. with legacy issues and, and stuff like that, and how many people are complaining about how the gameplay's gotten stale. Even with all of the change of, um, you know, the motion system and all of that stuff with 2K18 up until recently, um, you, still, you still have a good portion of people who are just frustrated with the gameplay and saying, hey, we want something new. Which is why Live 19 actually was, and we talked about this on the last podcast, was actually being talked about incredibly well when it was first released. How it was getting high marks and people were talking about, hey, this is the new gameplay experience we needed, right? These are the new animations we needed. These, this game doesn't have those same issues and stuff like that. So, you know, people can talk about that all they want about Madden being stale, but these are some of the same people who are complaining um, also about 2K being stale, right? True. So, uh, so let, that to put a little, put a little perspective on that. As far as the NBA going the exclusive route? <laughs> I want to say that it would probably be easier from a business perspective for them just for the fact that um, they would only be having to be catering to one game, right? to one company, to, you know, as far as, you know, outreach and, and marketing and answering to one company, um, et cetera, about, um, in the video game space. So I think that's a bonus. That would be a bonus for them. At the same time, I think that maybe they're smart enough to not limit themselves to, you know, and I think this is what you were alluding to, limit themselves to one release, to exactly, one game. Yeah. 
part to one game that's marketing their product that they would rather put in the work um, and answer to other companies and all of that stuff and allow that stuff to be used in order to have more of an outreach. So I would I would think that uh, I would agree with you. I, I don't think to um, you know the NBA would do something like that. The fact they also have that relationship with EA going back to the '80s as well that there's a long partnership there that they've which there's no doubt why they've given them so much leeway with all the serious struggles over the last 10 years they've they do have that relationship there and even if they've probably not happy with the way nba live has gone they do have 2k so they're still getting their brand out there with a a game that's being well received by by most people at least up until the last few years as far as uh, user reviews are concerned at any rate it still gets great uh, metacritic scores from uh, the uh, from the gaming uh, press from the from um the uh, official reviews or whatever you want to call them i mean it's you know, that's that's not really a good way of putting it. The uh, professional reviews, I should say, professional reviews that uh, that have given it the, those uh, top scores. So it still continues to sell and uh, rate well in those respects. So they, they've got to be happy with their uh, 2K uh, partnership as well. But the EA partnership does go back to the 80s. So uh, that that's got to obviously benefits EA with their struggles. But at the same time, uh, I, I think the NBA just uh, yeah they, they just want those those multiple games. So I, I think they I don't think they will go that NFL uh, uh, route unless it unless it gets to a point where EA is kind of backing out. And even then, uh, NBA Live Mobile is doing well enough, which is kind of a shame because we want it to be doing well on the consoles as well as the, the mobile game. But there is that successful product with the NBA branding. So I, I don't think they'd limit themselves. I think that, uh, you know, that they want to have that, uh, that out as much of an outreach as possible. I agree. Um, I'm not into NBA Live Mobile. I don't think you are either. No, no, uh, mobile game is not my thing. No, I, I didn't even install. I did not even install the companion app for NBA 2K20 this year, uh, mostly because the fa- the face scan never works, so I just didn't bother with it. Yeah, I, I don't do the face scan thing either. But I see the horror pictures, the <laughs> the um, the the horror stories about you know how bad their face scan came up and sometimes they share pictures mm. and stuff like that. So I don't think the technology is where it needs to be. That is one um, thing that st- NBA live do- has done better than 2k these last few years, that every NBA live face scan has been so much better than 2k's. Yeah. And I wonder why, um, you know, I wonder what the difference is in technology and stuff like that. I don't know enough about it. Um, but I, I have seen side by sides where people were like, Hey, you guys can say what you want about NBA live, but, they got my face right. <laughs> they are they are diff- partnering with different companies for the mobile apps, so it it could be who two K is choosing to partner with, but to develop that side yeah, of things. But hey, with all that uh, money they make on microtransactions and just in general, it's surprising they can't uh, get a better get pay for better technology. Well, we we know where that money goes, don't we? It's not not back into the experience, Mine's unfortunately. Pockets, yeah, yeah, yeah. unfortunate. That uh, that is what it is. That. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to see that uh, that partnership continues with N- the NFL and uh, EA. Uh, and yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen with the NBA games because that would be the end of, of EA's uh, you know console space and everything. And I, th- I think as much as people would say, oh, well, good riddance to NBA Live or everything, I, I think we'd actually come to regret it, especially when it uh, it, it goes from a virtual monopoly for 2K. If, if, it was to, if it was to happen, it would go from a virtual monopoly for 2K to an actual monopoly. And everything that we don't like about the game now... I, I think it would just be so much worse because there would just be this this juggernaut as far as this having this game that has no competition, no chance for competition, and an exclusive deal for years. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> please don't happen. Basically, 
Yeah, I, I think one thing that's super exciting is the hearing of another player jumping into the space, whether it's EA Sports, which has been the only player since NBA Inside the 09, really, in the, in the NBA gaming space. Um, but the excitement of hearing that another game is coming out representing the NBA. Um, and obviously, if exclusive rights happened and 2K had them, um, then we wouldn't have that possibility of the other player coming into the space. So I think that's a big deal. Fingers crossed that we're right about this then, I suppose. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't want, we def- so. definitely don't want to see mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I think um, one thing that, and we, we were going to jump into that at some point, is you know playing NBA Shootout 2004 um, and, and some of the older titles, like the NBA in the Zone series and stuff like that. It, it, it just makes me miss it. Makes me miss more players in the game. Well, you know, we've covered all the news this week, so we might as well dive right into that. Uh, you and I, we do go back and play some old favorites, and I'm updating an old favorite with the NBA 2K11 rosters and everything. And uh, that's uh, as, as actually great that, uh, you know, shout out to Vlad for fixing an issue with uh, Reddit 2 this week. Uh, his uh, hosting had expired, so the, the callback that Reddit 2 does to the, his site to check for new versions was uh, causing the program to close and to think there was a new version there even because it was calling back to a non-existent site basically and uh, and closing down the program he's fixed that now so if you are editing uh NBA 2k 11 12 10 11 and 12 or for that matter mlb 2k 12 as well because i know there's actually one person in our forum who is updating that game mlb 2k 12 for pc um i, I believe uh shout out to you um it's uh yeah, that's nice to see that he's fixed that. So that's back. <laughs> I can do things again outside of the in-game editing tools. So that is nice to see. But yeah, revisiting these games is something I do for Wave at Wednesday. You do for your YouTube channel as well. And we, we we've talked about it before. We're often adding to, often looking rather to add to our collection. So have you had any recent uh, additions? Was a shootout a game that you've added recently, or is that just one you've dusted off? I added recently. Cool. Uh, and it's the one with T Mac on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to say this, and I, and I messaged you about this. I'm not a hundred percent sure between the lines gameplay is superior on live 2004, um, or the, um, 2k4, uh, which I think was ESPN NBA 2k, um, ESPN NBA basketball. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it makes me sad. So shootout 2004 was the last game, um, from my understanding in the shootout series. Um, and while 2000 shootout, 2001 was kind of rough shootout, 2003 and 2004 were really solid between the lines. And if you want a comparison, as far as the gameplay, it's like a better version of NBA inside drive. Even the shooting is similar on shootout 2004 to NBA inside drive and not, not, not the Ray Allen version, not, not the 2000 NBA inside drive 2000. I'm talking about the 2003 um, in like 2004, but it's got fast, fun gameplay. It has right stick dribbling while it's not as, um, as good as live 2004's right stick dribbling, as far as Rick Riz, um, as solid, it, it still has right stick dribbling and it's really good. And the spin moves are good. The shooting animations are great. Um, the dunks at the hoop are powerful and loud. Um, it has a post game. It's the graphics pop. I just, it's, I, I, I want to say that it's probably one of the most overlooked and underappreciated games. I, I think absolutely between the lines it competes with Live 2004 and 2K. I'm going to have to check it out because I, I, I haven't played that one. I haven't played the shootout series. I don't think it got a lot of, 
In fact, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording, I've been having trouble tracking down a PAL version, so I'm wondering if they actually uh, release it in the PAL version, uh, PAL regions. I'm assuming they, they would. Uh, there's one thing to note here, that is by 989 Sports, which is also a Sony Computer Entertainment. Uh, the NBA 06 and 07, the NBA you know, featuring the Life series, uh, that is actually a continuation of Shootout. It's made by the an unofficial continuation. It's by uh, it's by uh, Sony Computer Entertainment as well. So it's it's their in-house one. Well, my problem with that is, and this is why I don't I don't put them together. I it, because I have those NBA 06, 07, 08, and 09 games, NBA 09, the inside and whatnot. Because the gameplay and graphic direction change so much, I don't even look at them as the same game. Like, there's the same, like, company making them. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't think it's um, officially the same lineage. I think it's kind of like uh, EA's NBA Playoff Series and NBA Live, where it's kind of the same, but it's kind of a reboot. Whereas it's, it's not officially the same series, because it's kind of a reboot once it gets to the NBA featuring the life. But it, it is actually the same uh, publisher and developer. Yeah, and you can see, and you can see some similarities, but I just can't, I can't put them together. Um, as far as the shootout 2004, when you get it, and anybody else who on here who grabs it, play on the There's a camera view called Classic, and basically it emulates the camera view from like Live 96 for Sega. Um, you know that like that isometric, yeah, the isometric one. Um, yeah. I almost, I almost said isometric. <laughs> the isometric, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great way to look at the action, and it gives you a great view of the court, and you don't have to worry about the camera flip-flopping and all of that stuff. And it's just, like you had mentioned, 989 Sports. They're the same people who made two really, really solid college basketball games that I really like, NCAA Final Four 99 and NCAA Final Four 2000. Hmm. Both of those games, I think, were incredibly well done and overlooked and underappreciated in history as well. Great animations, fun gameplay, um, you know, good feel, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's what I miss about having multiple players in the space. You know, we're talking about you know g different companies that made games back then, other than 2K and other than EA Sports and stuff. And definitely, anybody who's listening right now, get your hands on Shootout 2004 if you like retro gaming and comment on how you feel about it in comparison to you know live 2004 and 2k because my opinion is it holds up well it's uh it's interesting i'm also i have a game on the way that has uh, tracy mcgrady on the cover it is uh espn nba tonight uh somehow i don't think i'm going to enjoy it as much because i've heard that that's kind of rough that one that is not a good game <laughs> uh, i'll just say I, flat I, out the, i didn't spend, as, I didn't too spend too much in it so that's that's good to hear yeah, the gameplay is, um, you know, gameplay between the lines, as we've talked about so many times, is so important, like that feel and whatnot. And from my, my memory from that game is it's just not fun. Like, there's just too many, it's too um, stiff and stale. Um, and there's, like, too many issues. But, you know what, put it on, give it a try, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I mean, maybe it's maybe it's something you enjoy. Well, I, I've, so. I've never played it, so it'll be interesting to see and uh, how I feel about it and if nothing, if nothing else, I hope it's like Fox Sports NBA Basketball 2000, where it's just kind of funny. If it's, uh, <laughs> I can kind of enjoy it for what it is. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's these days looking back at those games, it really is. Looking back with the, I certainly want to do way back Wednesday. I'm trying to put it in the perspective of the time as far as my evaluation of it, but as far as my feelings of disappointment at this point, I can't really be disappointed about a game from the 2001-2002 season because I played games at those times I, I i've got good memories of like 2002 2003 etc from from around about that time but it, it will be interesting to see but it, I, yeah you, you mentioned it and a couple of other people i think i've mentioned it 
that it, it's not that great, but it's uh, it's something else for the collection. It'll be interesting to look back at, and as you said, different games do different things and have different features. So it's always interesting to see what a game maybe you did really well. Uh, you, you look, again, you go back to Fox Sports NBA Basketball 2000. A lot of their presentation elements are quite impressive. The gameplay between the lines is kind of garbage, but the a lot of the things they did with little touches here and there with the, with the presentation were really good. And it's interesting how some of those games they couldn't really compete with an NBA Live or an NBA 2K. The, the brand leaders, as far as the the quality of the gameplay experience, which is admittedly kind of a big deal because that is what the game you know it has to be about the game between the lines. But it is interesting that sometimes they do something like you're like wow they've they've actually got really good commentary or they've got really good presentation or they've got this a really cool dunk contest or something it's interesting how they had these little elements sometimes that they've done really well but the the core experience is just not on par with the brand leader you'll love this so i'm glad you brought up commentary so for nba shootout 2004 you know who's doing the color commentary bill walton yeah yeah and he is awesome he's he's in full form he says crazy things he's Bill Walton doing the commentary adds to the game. I'm telling you. Um, so he's the commentary on NBA Shootout uh, 2004. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was we talked about NBA 06, um, 06 to NBA 09. NBA 06 is actually better than NBA 09. And um, I actually think that it has a pretty solid gameplay foundation. While I don't compare it completely, like I said, to NBA Shootout 2004, um, it has some pretty fun gameplay, reactive gameplay, the right stick dribbling, all of that stuff. Um, so I think that's an, another underrated game. And I think they came out pretty strong with that game, um, NBA 06. Nobody talks about it, but... I think it came out, you know, pretty strong. Um, I think the problem with that series is because it is Sony Computer Entertainment, 99 Sports, it's a a PlayStation exclusive, whereas all the other games were basically multi-platform. So it's, and and obviously PlayStation 2 was very popular, as was PS3. Uh, So it's it's not like, it's it's an obscure platform that that not not a lot of people got. But at the same time, I, I think because it is limited to that one platform, because you do have a lot of people who are on PC or Xbox, um, if you're on PS, uh, if you're on PlayStation, you probably would have gotten Live or 2K, and if you're on uh, those other platforms, that that would have been your only other, only option. So I think that also contributes to how niche—well, niche is the wrong word—but how perhaps overlooked and underrated that some of those games in the series really are. Yeah, this is a, this topic actually excites me. There's just so many things I want to dive into. I think you need to. Um, not need to. I think it'd be cool if you did an article on the NBA 06 to NBA 09 possession transition screens. I don't know if you remember this or if you played those games, but between every possession, they have a transition screen. So like, let's say, I mean, after a basket score. So let's say you score a basket on NBA 09, the inside. they show, and you can't turn this off from what I can tell. Every after every basket, they show the, your team's logo flashes on the screen. Like it takes up the um, a good part of the screen, and it flashes. It's like an animation where the logo flashes, and like four other logos around it flash, and then it goes away. Every basket, every freaking basket, <laughs> and it's the most annoying thing. And then on NBA 06, they have like the the screen um, does this like strange transition between baskets. Huh. It's like who thought that? Yeah, little things like that that sometimes can really mess up a game. I do have 09 on PS3 because I have a friend who uh, gifted their old PS3 to me for my birthday. 
and uh, been, able, that's where I've been able to get uh, the college basketball games, etc., importing. So I, I do have 07 to 09 on PS3. Have not been able to track down a PAL version of 06 PS2 as yet. Uh, that is one I would like to add to the collection, however. Um, I do have 08 on PS2. I, I did cover that for way back Wednesday, but I do want to cover the PS3 version because it is, as you would expect, superior. But that's, yeah, that's that's a really strange little detail. Uh, I actually... I'm not sure if it's in the PS3. Sorry to interrupt. I'm not like I'm. I'm talking about the PS2 versions. I'm not 100 percent sure if that's in PS3. I have the PS2 versions and right. I have the PS3 version of NBA 09, the inside. But I don't. I haven't um, gone back to see if they have that. But I just thought it was a really weird touch. I'll have to have to look at to that. And you, you do see some of those things. I mean, we, we even see them in more recent live and 2K games. You look at 2K sometimes with the the delay on the dead ball. You know, that's that's been a that's a legacy issue as well. Yeah, I mean, the delay, sometimes you'll wait, you can talk about the delay on the dead ball, sometimes you'll wait like 20 seconds oh, before yeah. the next possession yeah. can start. No, that's not even an exaggeration. Um, and there's nothing going on in the screen that should be disp- like delaying it, but it still does. Yeah. Um, I remember bringing this up as you brought up the Tracy McGrady ESPN NBA Tonight. From memory, there's also an ESPN NBA Tonight game with Alonzo Mourning on the cover with Heat. It's, and, it's a regional cover, yeah. There's two different regions. Yeah. There's different covers, but it's because I got the, I got that one and the 2002 one, so I got both of the games, the two the two they released in that series, and the second one in the the PAL version has like like an NBA uh, featuring the life. It, it's got the the collage of players on the cover for the PAL version, but I think the US version has morning. Yeah, and that's the one that I had. Right, right. I'm pretty sure I had the one with morning on the cover because I think he's going for a rebound or something. That's in the, the picture. one. Yep. yep. Uh, can remember it yeah i I don't have it like in front of me or anything um but yeah it's another cool thing about those is like the um and we and i talked about this before the show the uh the intro movies nba shootout 2001 has one of the most creative and most interesting most you know most one of the most special like intro movies i've ever seen it's real highlights um it has all of these these cool graphics with it, and then you you have like Kobe and Tracy McGrady as l- like knocking down buildings as they're going for dunks. Like they look they they show them as like m- basically making them look like they're larger than life. Godzilla. And okay. I, yeah, and I, and I might post this on Twitter um, either today or at some point over the next three days because I have a three day weekend for work. Um, but those intro movies were awesome. And we talked about that, how, how that's something, um, intro videos. That's something that's been sorely missing since 2k 18. Uh, definitely. It's it's one of those things that pumps you up to play. It's, it's very much a part of the identity of games, whether it used to be the, the real highlights from back in the day when it, when you first got the games on CD at the time, and we didn't have, we should be able to put a full motion video, which is kind of, as opposed to a video that's not full motion, but that's what we used to call it. Uh, when you could actually put those, that clip, on of of, uh, of highlights there at the start, but then it, it goes. Of course, as, as the graphics got better, and you could actually produce real decent looking highlights for the time with uh, with in game assets, you would actually get those intros as well. Uh, which do you prefer of those two? Real highlights. Real highlights. Yeah, it gets it. I mean, we we play NBA games because we love the NBA, right? Yeah, we love the NBA highlights. Uh, we love the um, the NBA players, and it, it like you said, it kind of it used to get me um, pumped up. It used to get me pumped up to play the game. Um, it still gets me pumped up to play the game. 
you know, when I watch those intro videos and, and stuff like that. I prefer I prefer real highlights. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of – it depends on the day for me. But if I had to think about it, I've probably watched the real videos, the real clips. I think I've watched them a bit more often. I, I think I'm more inclined to watch those. So I, I'd probably lean towards the real ones. It, it's There's a lot of nostalgia there, obviously, because that's – that's what they used to be with the PC, the PC version of NBA Live 95 through to uh, 2000. That's what they were doing. Uh, sp- speaking of those highlight clips and, and intros, uh, a couple of a few of the games that I've ordered already uh, that have, have arrived are uh, uh, NBA Pro 98 and NBA Pro 99, which is uh, NBA in the Zone 98, 99. It's the uh, Australian release. Uh, that's that's a, another th- a funny thing, a throwback, you know, a funny throwback to the time of when they were doing multiple games a year and different companies doing NBA games when they would have regional names. And we mentioned the regional covers of ESPN NBA tonight a minute ago, but I have no idea why Konami changed that between, between uh, regions because it's not like NBA pro is, is any more appealing to the NBA, to the Australian market than NBA in the zone. So that was really weird, but NBA pro 99 have you played NBA Pro 99? Or, well, Inside Drive 99? Yeah. So I used to, uh, um, you mean in the zone? In the zone. Yeah, I had, zone uh, 99, yeah. Yeah, I, had, I had all of those games. Every single one of them, all the in the, in the zone series. Yeah. Do you remember how it not only just had the intro, the, the those real clips for the, the pre-game before it comes into you know, the, the boot-up uh, um, clip show, basically, <laughs> the boot-up uh, intro, but it also, when you would go into things like the All-Star Game mode, it would actually show clips again. It would actually show another, there was another clip of it, another intro clip for that mode. So that was something interesting, because that's something that, that Live didn't do. So I was going to bring this up um, when we were just talking about this, because I got, got excited about it. One of, um, and this, this goes, and I do remember that, but I remember one of the greatest features, not to like um, change the subject, because it's on the same subject, but do you remember on NBA 2K9 when you would say, like, select Celtics versus Lakers, and pre-game, it would show um, real highlights? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, and it would show, like, you would select your teams, and then it would say Lakers, and it would show, like, um, a real picture, um, or the in-game animation, depending on which version you had, the updated version or not, so whether it was patched or not. Um, you'd have, like... Lakers versus Celtics, and then they'd show highlights. They'd say, like, the Lakers are led by Kobe Bryant, and they would talk about Kobe while it's showing his real highlights. Yeah. And then they say, and then they would say, and versus, you know, Kevin Garnett in the Celtics, and it would show real highlights of Kevin Garnett. And boy, was that a nice touch! Absolutely. How cool was that? I, th- uh, I think but, the, the only drawback with that is that if you do customize the rosters, or if you're playing Association, for example, it can get outdated. That's that's the only problem. That's true. Uh, but I would still take it over not having it. And then, like I like you said, that you know, we talk about things like th- there's an, another situation I want to bring up um, in this regard. We talk about things uh, like people acting like something's new. I mean, NBA in the Zone '99, like you said, was do or NBA Pro '99. They were doing stuff like that ten years before 2K9. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, it's it's something to think about. You know, I was so I'm, I'm playing NBA Shootout 2004 today and last night and the day before. And I call, I'm, I'm like, how do I call for a pick? You know how you call for a pick on NBA Shootout 2004? The same huh. as you do on 2K20. Right. Okay. So, was, you know, yeah, talk, I wasn't yeah. doing it then. Yeah. Nope, they weren't. Nope. So you can literally hit that front left bumper um, 
and your guy comes up and sets a perfect pick. And then when you release it, he releases. Um, so I want to, you know, let people know on the call that, you know, I can guarantee you on the call. I'm acting <laughs> like I'm at work listening to the podcast. Um, you know, 2K doing like left stick picks and, um, and, and stuff like that. You, you, I can guarantee you that they were influenced by shootout. <laughs> You know what I mean? And like it, the, a lot of the things that they've done, and we've talked about this before, were influenced by NBA Live. Absolutely. So you guys can, yeah. you know, people can crap on other game makers and other different basketball games and say, oh, well, NBA Live sucks and they've sucked for years and all of that stuff. But a lot of the stuff that 2K has done with their game has been taking from those other companies. And honestly, I'm. We, this has come up a few times before on the podcast and in previous articles as well. People always talk about stealing ideas and this and that and who did it first. And... It's interesting trivia, and it's worth noting who did it first, especially when something is older than you expect, like the pick-and-roll controls that you're referring to. But at the same time, if it's a good idea, and it's if it suits the genre, then, yeah, you should be stealing it. You should be borrowing the idea and adapting it for your own game. There's there's no reason not to. Just to There's no advantage to being different just for the sake of being different. I, I mentioned this in the, my Monday Tip-Off article this week about the right correction for NBA Live, is that... Different for the sake, yeah. Different for the sake of different is is not the way to go because then you're not doing the things that a game needs to have. And if there's a, a really good idea that an old game has done and that you can adapt for the modern uh, era, or if the if your competitor is is doing something that uh, is the right way of doing it for this particular concept, then you have to really consider doing that or a version of it at least, and you'd be foolish not to. Right. You want to know a game that's a huge turnoff because of the, the what they tried with the controllers. A huge turnoff is NBA Courtside 2002. Okay, well, the what, control- do they, what do they do with that one? They're all over the place. The controls, um, the shoot. Let's put it this way: you know how um, NBA Live and NBA 2K were pretty consistent. Yep. As far as button placement. Yes. As far as where it was comfortable, where your fingers were, like on the controller when you tried to do certain things. That's by design. You know, where your thumb, you know, is closest to a certain button and stuff like that to do a certain common move in the game or something like that. NBA courtside. Yeah, yeah, combos and stuff like that. If you go back and play NBA courtside, um, they just tried to be so different. And I I still can't wrap my mind around the controllers. It actually ruins my experience with the game. Um, I remember the first courtside was kind of like that. Although, again, it's because you got the Nintendo 64 controller, which is... Not really set up for sports games in that, that much. No, certainly, right. not, no, certainly not a sim game like uh, like Courtside was. So it's always kind of been there. Actually, the, the thing that's bothered me about a lot of the old games, and including uh, Pro ninety eight ninety nine inside uh, in the zone rather, uh, is the way they have different switching to pass buttons. Like that is something that really bu- bugs me in basketball games when switch player on defense is not the same as pass. I always find and, that really, yeah. Drives me nuts. You know, there's a game, and by, there's, there's a couple other things you could do articles on. I'm, I'm loving all the stuff that we're talking about, but you could do articles on this stuff. NBA in the Zone 96. Um, did I say 96? It's NBA in the Zone, like the first NBA in the Zone, which I think is based off of um, the 94-95 season. Mm-hmm. It's based off of the um, shaq Olajuwon finals. Um, but you have to choose your recipient in the game for the pass. You can't just like pass on the fly. You're, you basically have to select your recipient and then pass the ball. I'm not talking icon passing either. You have to like 
switch Oof. who you yeah, yeah you have to uh, and, and that's like on every pass and so that's really frustrating so controlled. but i was yeah exactly it's it's it, it, like why would you even implement that i know it's in the mid 90s and i get it by the way i really like the original nba in the zone I want to point that out. That's just one really annoying aspect of it. Um, but, you know, another thing that you could do an article on, really, um, is in-game music, where the games that had music during the game. Like, there was um, NBA in the Zone, the original one, had music throughout the game, like, mm-hmm. while you were playing. Um, and then, if you remember correctly, so did Tecmo Super NBA Basketball. Yeah, which is uh, it's something that's kind of been phased out, which, which makes sense because they're going for the... NBA the the t- television presentation which is something they're doing but those early games that did it it's uh and, and again we have to shout out uh, basketball classics here from Nemo Gamo and I will say that Nemo that uh, the Josh and Dave did actually do the the old school um, switching being on a different button to pass but uh, I, I give it a pass in basketball classics because it is trying to emulate that plus I believe there is a comp- controller setting that you can change to the other way around. Uh, it works for that. I think it's it's really a really cool detail there, especially when there is a, a an option to change it. But a lot of those sim games, where where you really have to be on the ball with uh, against the AI and, and switching like that, it and, and the controls are more complex. Changing it and having the switch and and being, making switch different to pass is it, it really needed to be phased out by the mid '90s, and there were still companies, still developers doing that into the late '90s, early 2000s. And yeah, that's that's something I'm really glad that they've that, that people have tried to standardize those controls for a basketball game because it, it makes it a lot easier to go between the two of them between multiple games. Right. right, I think basketball classics is a different um, a different case because of the dynamic of the gameplay and what they're what exactly, they're trying to yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, so I think that it works for them, and I think it gives a lot of people uh, like a retro experience that um, maybe they were used to or maybe they want. Um, so I think that's a little bit different, but I think, um, well, so I, I just wanted to clarify that because I know that Josh and Dave listen, so I didn't want to bum them out on that. Cause that, I, I do think it's a good detail on that game, but in a game like uh pro 99 or, uh, or jam 99, which I'll, I'll get into, uh, shortly is it's not a good idea at all. It didn't work in those it didn't games make sense. at all. Yeah, it just didn't make sense at that point. Um, and I, I will say this too about the music though. The, the the music in NBA in the zone that plays in the background is unbelievably nineties. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's, it's everything like it, it, like the music that plays in the background could be all over NBA inside stuff. Like, wow. Like the narrator's talking and all that stuff. Um, what would you call yeah, that the, genre of, uh, of nineties sports game music? It, can, can we just call it nineties sports game music? Is there really like funk? The first rock? thing that came to mind was I wanted to call it like pump up the jam music or something. Just like <laughs> something that I made up. Um, because it's all of this, like, it's like, like cool bass and like somebody yelling in the background, like, you know, go or something like that. Like constantly. Like, like a, f- a fusion of, uh, of, uh, funk, pop, rock and hip hop kind of. Right. But it's so nineties. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's so nineties. So that should be the genre. It's so nineties. <laughs> it's so nineties. Yeah. We'll just call it that. Whenever we reference it, we'll just say, Oh yeah, it's so nineties. The nineties music. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at, at the same time, um, you know, there's other games that have done that throughout. And when one of them is part of the tennis series, if I don't know if you ever played them, but the Virtua tennis series, um, they have music background music that plays during your match and smash court tennis does it too. And it does add, 
for an otherwise game that can kind of be limited, you know, because they're older games, it can add some um, fun and excitement and lore um, to, yeah. to the games. Ambience, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. When I play, if, if there is an option to turn that music off in those games, I don't. I actually keep the music on, um, and I enjoy it. But it is fun. It would be funny to take a deep dive into some of the older games. How many actually had that, like background music? Because I can remember two off the top of my head. I mean, I'm I'm thinking NBA Jam, which also again has that classic '90s sound. Right. I think I, and when I say the music in the back, I mean more like the, something that tried five on five, like Techno yeah. Super. Yeah, sim titles don't didn't usually. It was it was more of it was, it was definitely more more of an arcade game thing but but some right. did obviously and it's but you were talking about controllers though um i'm sorry to interrupt you this is this whole topic is exciting to me um so you're talking about like controllers and like you know what where companies went wrong um and dreamcast was kind of a bulky controller and then you had like gamecube which was more um more like almost felt too compact but one thing that i miss about dreamcast and i brought this up on an earlier episode um earlier in the year is you remember like you used to have the adapter that you could also call plays and your the gut the local player couldn't see it okay like for yeah i think i've heard of that for, yeah yeah for like nfl 2k so like if i'm playing in the same room as um like my like like one of my friends and we're playing nfl 2k i can call a play on my um on my controller because there was a little screen i can call the play on the controller so the my um the, the person playing against me doesn't see it i thought that was a cool touch like i hate in the new games when my brother and i are sitting next to each other and i want to call a floppy let's say i'm using the new orleans pelicans let's say i'm playing with now rosters and i want to call a floppy to get jj reddick open can, he, he can see my can play see it, yeah yeah and it would be cool to have a way to turn that off and have, and I know local play isn't the thing anymore, but it would be cool to be able to turn that off in game. And so what, when I run a play, I could look and run it on my controller. That would be really cool. I mean, that's, it is quite, again, revolutionary for the time to be able to do because it does quite literally telegraph the play that you, that you're going to be doing. And these days when you've got the detailed play diagram on the the court, if you are playing with full, um, full play oh. settings of course yeah it's the other person is, is can just see what you what you're what you've called and what's going to happen and and where you're going so it's it really does kind of uh yeah it, it it makes defense a bit of a cheat yeah it does and so yeah sorry for going off on a tangent on so many different things it's just it's unbelievable what they were what they were doing and what they were trying back then and then you know a lot of the stuff we just haven't seen it again do you know awesome. what I mean? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. It, it's 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 funny how these ideas do fall by the wayside. Even things like uh, loading a custom roster into a a season in progress, or saving a saving a custom roster out of a season in progress. Little things like that. And I know there's technical uh, details to to, uh, to be concerned with there. It's it's easier said than done sometimes to dump that and everything. But or or exporting uh, stats to a text file that we had for years in NBA Live PC. Think, little things like that that have just fallen by the wayside that could real. They're not necessarily things that everybody would use, but they are very, very useful for the people who want them. And so their absence, their their absence is felt. I talked about that the, the amazing feeling of uh, exporting your stats and then printing them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I loved my stat sheets. My stat sheets looked so cool, and I'd love to just I I would sit there on the couch and just look at the set, the stat sheets I printed out, and. Yeah. 
They, yeah. remind, they remind and, you. They give you good memories. Like I remember playing jam with my cousin, and we would write we'd write down our stats from each game, because so you couldn't export it from jam uh, tournament edition PC, but we could certainly write it down. We'd even write down little highlights that, that had happened if we'd got if we'd been at, if we managed to uh, trigger somersault dunks, if we'd managed to get a really good block or something like that, or if we'd. Uh, Oh, what else would we write down? Yeah, it was mostly, mostly the somersault dunks and things like that. We'd just write these little things. And I'd, I'd had all these... I, I think I've thrown them out, which is kind of a shame that they're not in my a folder somewhere in my archives. But you, you'd do it, and you'd go back and you'd read it, and you'd, it re- would remind you of those games you played. And that's kind of what we had to do before. We had video capture and things like that in the modern consoles and PC with, uh, with, soft, with capture software, is that you would really have to... It was up in your head, and 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 definitely within any of the stats and things that you wrote down. And that's a uh, as primitive as those experiences may seem. Now, it was very exciting, and because and we've, we've talked about this before, the imagination that went into it, and that that immersion that you you'd put you'd immerse yourself so much into it that you are creating parts of the experience that aren't in the game. With sometimes with stat tracking, the old, old games did track stats, but sometimes not not all of them, and not to the extent that maps we would. And certainly not through multiple seasons and things like that, and connected. So, yeah, that that is a very big part of retro gaming for me. Yeah, and then there was a couple ideas that you just like scratch your head, like what were they thinking? And like College Slam and NCAA um, Final Four, um, or like I think it was made for it was made for Super NES or Sega, and it was like uh, I want to say like in 1994 or something, where you could rename the players, but you couldn't save it. Like, yes. What, yes. What was the what was the point of being no able to go it, in yeah, and, and rename yeah. our players when every single time we turn off the game and turn it back on, they're gone. Yeah. Um, so there's stuff like that that they tried that really didn't make much sense. And um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still wish that they came out with a college game, and they might soon. Now with the new NCAA deal with the players, um, you know, where they come out with a college game, and and let's say they can't have the they don't have the rights to use the players and they just have like numbers um it would be nice to for them to give us the option to rename the players and actually save it yeah as as they did in the in the games like college hoops etc right exactly but actually be able to save it so yeah yeah Yeah, it's kind of that was the problem with college slam and everything and it's it goes back to the technology at the time although there was battery backup on super nintendo consoles so it's not like they didn't have console uh, cartridge saves yeah, I know. I, you know, and, and that's the way I looked at it. I think maybe as a as a silly kid or whatever, I would look at it and be like, "Hey, listen, I can save my season. Like my progress can be saved. Why can't we save the names?" Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, it's a saving feature within the game that allows it to save things. So, but uh, yeah, that's kind of strange. Also, before you get too far past the the music, also again, want to shout out Basketball Classics for uh, for their music during the different quarters. See, I love that. Yeah. Oh, there's there's something that happens. Um, there's something that happens in Virtua Tennis that my brother and I die for. It's just amazing. And, and this is something that is cool with, with like what we see with basketball classics, but it's implemented a little bit differently in Virtua Tennis is on mat. They have match point music. So what happens is, is they have music that goes on throughout the match, but then when you hit match point, it's a different sound. It's a different music. So it, it adds to the intensity of the moment. And that music, that match point music, plays um, until that game ends. So even if you, like, fight off a match point or two match points, it continues to play until that game ends. So it's, it's still um, that, that atmosphere, that, that tense, tenseness of the atmosphere yeah, is still there. It, yeah, it's like you're fighting. Right. It's almost like you're fighting a boss. 
right? Yeah, and like cool. an adventure, yeah, something like that, or an action game. Um, so yeah, I love the music. Like, and and I, I mentioned this when we were on the podcast with Josh and Dave. Um, I loved the music that they implemented, and like I said, it it brings me like during the game, it brings me back to those days of the original NBA in the Zone and the Tecmo Super NBA basketball music and stuff like that. So you can definitely see the influences there, and it's it came it came together beautifully as we've uh, as we said, and uh, to them and in, in now and in subsequent shows, it's uh, and those those little things about those old games really did uh, do the uh, create the atmosphere. I haven't played virtual tennis. Uh, did you ever play any of the the pro wrestling games that uh, THQ AKI made, like uh, WCW NWO Revenge or World Tour or No oh, Mercy or things like so, that? So, so. The best wrestling game ever made, in my opinion, in the game that was played, I can't even tell you how many hours my brother and I and my friends put into to it, was NC, WCW versus NWO World Tour. Yeah, That game has the most... I, I almost did the music with my mouth because I, I, rem- I, I love the music to that game. Yeah, th- those, uh, all of those games, because they're built on the same engine, the, ones, the other ones I mentioned, Revenge, and then, of course, WWF, now WWE, Got the the last got the agreement and said so that went over to WrestleMania 2000 and uh, WWF No Mercy, all built on that same uh, AKI engine, which is very popular with uh, wrestling game fans. But the the music and when you would do different uh, the tournament modes with the the first two WCW games and with each match having its own uh, theme, its own its own uh, the music and depending on the music, you'd realize how far along you were towards getting to the, that final uh, challenge and everything like that. Yeah, a big part of the of gaming from that era, from the early to mid to even into the late nineties, I suppose. But but again, it is very nineties uh, sports game music. It that it is so nineties that the soundtrack for those games. I don't. Know. I think I think the soundtrack is really important, whether it's in the game or um, outside of the game, like through the menus. I think one thing you know that's hurt the Madden series for us is, and they went from the theme of. You know, when you think of football, what do you think of? You think of power, right? Yeah. You think of hard. You you think of hard hitting. You think more of rock and heavy metal, right? Like when you think of actual NFL football and NFL action, and and they went from having that type of music um, in the Madden games, um, which was more common in the Madden games. Well, sometimes they mixed it up, but it was more common to basically the um, like the hip hop today. You know what I mean? They, they, they switched the soundtrack to like all the new popular artists, artists. Um, and, and to me that just, it's not as, it's not as cool putting on the games and, and, and going through the menus and stuff like that when the atmosphere is just not right. In my opinion, um, the vibe, I think is important. the vibe is, um, we talked about, you know, there were a lot of people who praised NBA 2K18 soundtrack because it brought back some of the old basketball classic music, mm. right? Yeah. The, the the music from, you know, back from the 90s, and it brought back, it kind of mixed it up a little bit and all of that stuff. And and we know this is true, you know, hip-hop, basketball is more hip-hop, right? It is, yeah. It's always been more like a hip-hop genre and, and stuff like that. So R&B, jazz, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I think NBA 2K17 was a pretty poor soundtrack overall. Um, but yeah, I think the soundtrack, um, I think the soundtrack does matter. And if you have the soundtrack in the background during the game, it really matters too. So I mentioned that I picked up NBA pro 98, 99 and NBA jam 99. I do have, I have jam 2000 on the way. It's, it's a much cheaper version than the one I posted on Twitter, which was, 
asking about $1,500 postage from uh, from somewhere, I forget. Uh, Cyprus, it might have been. Uh, yeah, I didn't go for that option. I don't really have that money to spend on NBA Jam 2000, quite frankly. But I do have it do, do have a cheaper version coming from the way from uh, from Germany, actually. Uh, but I, I do have 99 has arrived. That was a local one that I got. It's uh, It may be the worst game to ever carry the NBA Jam name. It, it's and, terrible. And I, I don't regret buying it because I, I knew. I, I've, I think I played it a couple of times back in the day, which is why I didn't own it. Because <laughs> I didn't like, yeah, I'm not getting this. But I might have rented it or something, I think. But uh, it's... I, I'm, I'm happy to get it because I want it for the collection. I want to cover it. But, man, it's... The fact that they've gone away from the traditional NBA Jam gameplay, that they've tried to go five-on-five, five, um, and th- they don't they do not do a good job of, of, of doing five-on-five five either, Acclaim. Uh, so basically, they got the jam name, and Midway kept the jam gameplay. And you know, it sucked that Midway lost the NBA Jam name, but man, did they make better games by keeping the gameplay. And, it, and you talk about what's in the name, uh, the, the the brand recognition for NBA Jam, and you talk about NBA Live ruining its rep- reputation. It's amazing that NBA Jam still has that great reputation from those acclaimed games because Jam '99 is terrible. And I, I'm looking forward to going into the Wayback Wednesday in detail. But uh, you've played it, obviously. It's it's awful. It's it's hilariously yeah. awful. I remember putting that game down almost immediately. You ever have those games that you just like put on? You're like, I'm not touching this again. Yeah, that was that was the one. Um, I've had a couple other games like that where I put it on Live 07. <laughs> mm. Live 07. I put I put that on, and I'm just like, oh my god, what's happening? Like this is how did they release this game? Um, and I remember that about NBA Jam 99. Um, I'm going to have to go back and revisit it. Um, but, yeah, I'll let you know my feelings once I go back and revisit it. It's it, nothing. It, again, it has the weird switching of controls. It's the, the CPU can push you very easily, but you can't push the CPU very easily. Uh, it, there's a separate – and you know, you know how Jam works, right? You hold turbo, you press steel, you shove. In when they change to their five on five, you have a steal button, which is also the pass button. You've got a switch button, which is separate, and you've also got a push button, which is uh, and, and we're talking about C buttons here as well. So it just doesn't work out well. They it, it doesn't play sim the the arcade version of of it. Five on five arcade doesn't really work for me for basketball games. Two on two on three on three. Button mapping button button mapping is huge. Yeah, it's so important. Like, yeah, uh, controls, <laughs> and it's it's really just hilariously bad. I I think two thousands is not much better. Uh, I will have impressions of that when it when it arrives. Obviously, coming from Germany, it's going to take a little bit longer to uh, to get here. But yeah, so I got Jam ninety nine. I played that and thought, yep, yeah, no, I this I wasn't wrong back in the day when I thought it was crap, and it turned out it's like no, no, I was right about this. And uh, again, no regrets for buying it. It was it was cheap. It was. It's good for the collection. It's something to cover. It has its interesting points, for, despite how bad it is. So I, I have no uh, regrets. Sounds like I'm trying to justify it. I again, I have no regrets. I knew how bad it was going to be from uh, reputation and, and very brief time with it back in the day. And uh, spending more time with it is, has not really changed. I haven't warmed up to it. Although it is quite funny to see a, a mini somersault dunk with roster player on the Bulls. Um, but it's, again, it's one of those games that they've just got it so wrong. Uh, they had such a great thing going with the NBA Jam gameplay. They brought it around a, a few years later. They had, uh, do you remember NBA? It wasn't called NBA Jam 2004, but it's 
except on the on the disc. If you put the disc, if you put the PlayStation disc in the PC, you'll see that the disc label is NBA Jam 2004. But it's it's just NBA Jam. It's one of the one of many games just called NBA Jam released on the PS2. Have you played that one? It came out in 2003. Um, I don't believe so. <sighs> There's a um, a PlayStation 2 NBA Jam, and I'm trying to remember which one that had the black and white filters. That's the Was one. That NBA yes, that's the one. Yeah. I love it. If, if that's the one you're talking about, I love that game. That was a good, um, that's that a good was, return to form. And they got Tim Kitzrow back. Yep, that's the one. Like, that game got a lot of... I played through, the, um, through that entire game. I remember that when you played against... You know, you, when you were doing the 50s and 60s games, the, the challenges, um, it would be a black and white yep. filter. And, and, and again, it had different again, for that's, each that's, decade. That's long before 2K12 did that with NBA's Greatest. Yep, exactly. So that game right there, in, in my opinion, was one of a, a really solid release. I, I played that a lot. That it's it is. I, it's not. I wouldn't put it on par with the EA NBA Jam games, or certainly the originals, or Hang Time for that matter, the Midway games. But it is a really solid arcade style. They went back to the three on. They went three on three instead of two on two. Camera angles a little bit wonky. Um, it's not as polished, but it is a very solid game. It's uh, perhaps overlooked and underrated because it, it came out. When the jam, they kind of ruined the NBA Jam name with the late nineties, early two thousands ones, with the ninety nine two thousand, uh, and of course, on top of everything else, NBA Jam ninety nine has uh, the lockout rosters, affected rosters on there, but it has Kevin Harlan and uh, Bill Walton doing the commentary on on Jam. 99. I told you, Bill Walton is. I'm not, sorry, I, not in that game, not in not, not in Jam. He's not. <laughs> do me a favor. Do me a favor. And get when you get NBA Shootout 2004, give me feedback on Bill Walt. I think I'm, he's great. I'm sure he's I, great. I'm sure he's great in that one. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, Jam 99. Well, again, it's also Nintendo 64, so you've got a bit of more audio compression and everything. But it just doesn't work. And 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 I talked to Tim about this to Tim Kitzrow when I interviewed him last year. It's uh, and he brought it up. You know the importance of having the right presentation for an arcade game. And so they're. Uh, Kevin Harlan, I, I think, does a great job with 2K, I th- and I, I think that's a very you know that's a very good presentation they have with Kevin Harlan. He is a, a great commentator. I like listening to him in, in games and he's calling in real life as well. Just because he's trying to call it like it's a regular game, but it's also in, under arcade rules in, in jam mode. Uh, imagine having an NBA Jam mode in NBA Jam. You know, instead of it just being the game, but it, it doesn't really work. And having the two commentators doesn't work. And uh, when you start heating up, he goes, "I smell smoke," and you're like, "Nope, that's that's not as good as Tim Kitzrow's. He's heating up. It really isn't. Um, it's it's just not a good fit." And it's the same that people have talked. And I've got NBA Jam Extreme coming on the way as well for PlayStation One. That's another one I've ordered. Um, Marv Albert does that one. He re- he replaced um, he he took over an NBA Jam from because uh, that was the first Acclaim one. They um, they didn't have Tim on that one. They had they had Marv Albert and Marv again. I think. Amazing commentator, maybe the greatest basketball commentator of all time. Certainly, his his voice is uh, embedded in my memory over so many great moments. But it just wasn't a good fit for the Jam style of play because it's it's great when it, when we got him in NBA Live, but for Jam, it, yeah, it's just it's just not a good fit. Tim is arcade basketball. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a <laughs> tough act to follow. <laughs> yeah, there's there's two things I want to mention though. Two unbelievable games that I really enjoy in the arcade space is NBA hang time and NBA hoops. Um, NBA hoops was, um, the one with Shaq on the cover. Yep. I got that one. On uh, the way. It's, it's, it's on the way the, that NBA, that and the uh, NBA on NBC 
NBA Showtime? Yep, yep. NBA Hang Time and NBA NBA Show. Did I say Hang Time? I meant NBA Showtime. Sorry. Right. NBA Showtime and NBA on NBC, which had the amazing NBC intro. <laughs> yep. With the music and everything, great gameplay, um, great interface. Showtime and NBA Hoops was the three on three full court version, which had very similar gameplay, um, and you could play like a full season on NBA Hoops, and it kept stats. From yep. my from my memory, well, um, so I've got, I've got them both coming. I've got them both coming in the mail. So that's. Yeah, I think you'll love. I think you'll like NBA hoops if you don't remember it that well. Um, I think that's a good one. Um, but I wanted to bring up something as far as the um, filters. Um, Josh and Dave, if you're listening, that could be something that would be fun. Um, you know, oh, you yeah. guys yeah. do a great job of you know representing classic basketball, um, like you have the '80s rosters and whatnot in 80s teams um what would be cool is if you could find a way to implement in the programming you know when you're using those 60s and 70s teams maybe you find a way to make it black and white um yeah. maybe you find a way to make the 90s graphics look a little washed bit out, different. washed out of it washed out a little bit um i think that might be a nice little new touch if you wanted to patch your game and, and try to you know try something a little bit new um it doesn't need it um, but it was a nice touch on, as we talked about, NBA 2K12 um, and uh, that and NBA Jam for PlayStation 2. Well, you, you look at the EA NBA Jam, the uh, NBA Jam 2010, has those filters that you can do that old school filter where it becomes, very pixel, becomes more pixelated. So I, I think there's a call for it. Yeah, and you know, we talked about implementations in new NBA games, remember? We were talking about you know, what could NBA 2K21 still do. Right, yeah. we haven't exhausted all options of customization. Know. We bring a bunch of ideas. That's another one. Um, maybe you can apply your own filter. Mm. You know, you you can do that stuff on computers. Um, so why couldn't they implement that with the new technology and consoles? The NBA Pro ninety nine has some other interesting options that you can uh, you can change the the button configurations, which is pretty, which is not always able to do, and it had different configurations you could have as well as a custom one uh, presets and custom one and you can even change the ball color which is interesting like that's that's not, another yeah. yeah another another new thing they could do right which which is not necessary as such but it's it's interesting it's an interesting idea that it's just there that you can you can take or leave and, that, and that's what I, I like about a game with options is that if you if you don't want to do it you don't have to but if you do it's there it's always better to have the options right. than not and we talked about courtside 2002's wonky controllers. We couldn't change them. Mm. You can't change the controller mapping. No. So NBA in the NBA in the zone or NBA Pro 99 at least has that. But I still can't get over the the funny uh, pump um, fist pumping after every dunk. Yeah. That's what NBA Pro 99 and NBA in the zone two and those NBA in the zone NBA Pro titles. You just every dunk they 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 do the same fist pump every every player. I just don't. And, and having not that. played that game back in the day, always seeing it on the shelf and picking it up and but never actually buying it, uh, I didn't know that it had the, the All-Star events. It has a three-point shootout. It has a very strange three-point shootout where it has a meter. Do you remember that? Where it's, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's still fun. It's, it's challenging. It, it's functional. Actually, the, the, the problem is that it can be very time-consuming, so it's very easy to to not get to all, through all the balls and all the racks because it, if you yeah. if you miss it. That's, that's my only complaint about it. It is a very interesting way of doing it, though. Um, the dunk contest is also interesting, where you have to punch in. It, it, it gives you, you you pick the level, the difficulty of the dunk, and then it gives you a button combination to remember 
or indeed write down. And if you you think, oh, I can pause this and just write it down. Aha, if you pause it, it it doesn't show you the combination. So you've got to, if you are going to use the pause method, you've got to write it down, pause, unpause, write it down. Um, but if, if you can get it, if you can get like the, the level five dunk, it's it's very uh, satisfying to do. And it's, it's an interesting way of doing the dunk contest. I still think it's inferior to NBA Live 2005's, the, the method that was introduced then. Again, a game coming out a whole generation later, so it's maybe a bit unfair. It's but it's cool to do, and and it's it's a one that I overlooked because again I I didn't remember it because I didn't play the game. But it's it's functional. The the scoring is a little bit wonky. Uh, it's it's funny if you don't get anywhere near the combination. If you get one thing wrong in the combination, the player will just run up and do a basic two-handed dunk, and the crowd just goes, "Oh, it's uh, it's just pretty funny." Um, but at the same time, yeah, if you don't nail that combination, there's no miss. They just do a a, 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 a lousy dunk. No, very very for a dunk contest, a very bland dunk. Um, it, it's it is funny though, loading up that and seeing the default competitors of uh, of your likes of Will Purdue and Vladimir Stepania. And uh, and Todd Fuller, you would think would go some of the higher rated dunkers in the game, like a Pippen or a roster player, or a, you know a Kobe or someone. But no, for some reason they've just got all these centers uh, as the default competitors in the in the dunk contest. Uh, but looking at that, I, I, then I played the game and I, the All Star game, which for some reason it's got fictional All Star rosters, which I have no idea why they did that. Um, maybe just because they thought they'd fill it in because it's updated for the... The version I have is the the later release where they updated it with the uh, post-lockout uh, rosters. So it's they've just had, had fictional, really weird fictional um, uh, all-star rosters. David Wesley's a starter. Alden Polynes is a starter, uh, which is not really appropriate for the 99 season, but whatever. Uh, so there's weird things like that. And the gameplay, again, has some strangeness with the controls and it's... Uh, it's, it's PlayStation 1, so it hasn't aged particularly well. Um, and, and they've tried some things with physics that... It, it's almost kind of like a modern game where you just get stuck to them um, and get sucked into these two-man animations. But you can see what they were trying. And it's it's not as good as NBA Live 99, um, but it does have those extra features with the All-Star Weekend. Uh, 99 did have the, the three-point shootout, but not the, other, not the dunk contest or uh, special All-Star presentation. So it does have that... Or, has the uh, all-star games all-star teams and play now of course exhibition but it it was doing some things a bit differently and it's it's really interesting to go back and find that and and see that it's it's decent it's not against as as good as live 99 but it's still yeah it it, it i'm i'm not sorry that i got to check it out because it's quite interesting especially that dunk contest david wesley would be a starter on the all jacked team i don't know yeah. if you remember he was what a what a big guy um i'd say um one thing that I notice about NBA in the Zone 99, and you may have noticed this if you jumped in on the hardest level, because that's what my brother and I always do. We always jump into games on the hardest level. Um, whether it be the dunk contest, three-point contest, or the um, five-on-five gameplay, the game is challenging. Beating yeah. the computer in NBA in the Zone 99 is very challenging. Um, it's sure. The computer is very good. Um, and by the way, that's a staple to some of the older games, is the challenge. So, what the, I mean, what made those games... What made me fond of them is, is the difficulty. I, I think that um, that's missing a lot in the newer games. The newer games are a lot easier, it seems, to exploit. Um, the defense isn't as strong a lot of times in the newer games, um, whether it be in the transition or just you know getting e- running by the computer and whatnot. I think NBA in the zone um, 
99, 2000, um, NBA fast break 98 was challenging. Um, and in your world, that was, um, uh, NBA what was it? NBA, NBA action 98. Um, and, and I do miss that a little bit about the older games, like, like play NBA live 2003 on the hardest level and try to cross over to get by your guy. Yeah. That's <laughs> tough, yeah. You're, you're, you people talk about NBA 2K17 brick wall defense. You haven't seen brick wall defense until you played the NBA Live 2003 on the hardest level. You're literally just it's it's so hard to get by the computer. And when you go in to try to do a dunk, um, half the time on the hardest level or more than half the time, you're getting shut down, like right at the rim. So I, I find the computer very um, it, it can be it can be more challenging, and the games can be more challenging in those older games. And then you get, of course, if you get a a charging call against you, then you get to see your player uh, comedically complaining to the referee in 2003. Uh, you didn't like those cutscenes. You thought they were probably a little bit overdone. Um, I personally love it. I, I love the cutscenes. I think they're fun. I, I have a, a love hate relationship with them. Like I think they're, I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious that you can set it up and have Kwame uh, Brown chewing out Michael Jordan. I think that's if you set up if you set it up in the lineup properly, that happens. <laughs> that's funny to see. Uh, I, I did I did think they went a little bit overboard with it, uh, and the, the fact that you couldn't th- there was no kind of uh, silliness slider I suppose or setting I think I might have appreciated it a little bit more like I, I wouldn't mind it in, in current games it, it just uh, you know we talked about the vibe for me it wasn't really uh, the vibe wasn't right for me in that and I think it was also because freestyle control it was the first year it was very overpowering um, even on the harder levels it, it was quite overpowering the, the pace was arcade level you'd have the the blocks that would rocket to the other other end of the court even if uh, daryl armstrong is blocking uh shack it's flying to the other end of the court things like that it, it just wasn't as sim as i wanted and I, I think the whole package when you put it all together and then you've got these kind of silly cutscenes on top of it that and, and I, I think it wouldn't have been so bad if the the silly cutscenes were kind of like an easter egg that only happened in certain situations but it, it's it's kind of like when you when you see five or six times a game uh, a player stealing the coach's seat and getting scolded for it. It's kind of, all right, this is a little bit, a little bit too much. You know, what's, uh, what's funny though. You were talking about the speed of live 2003. It's yeah. hectic. It's so fast. Um, there's a couple things that my brother and I were talking about. Number one, um, did you notice that the in-game setting for speed is defaulted to, um, 60 on live 2004? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's, they made that fast, even with the sliders, um, by default, on purpose. Um, a lot, so of, the game, a lot of the games around that time, they, they were very fast out of the box. I, re- yep, I, re- yep. I remember we, we adjusted that quite a bit. Yep, yep. And then another fun nugget that I figured out, um, because I have both versions, play NBA Live 2004 on the, on the um, GameCube, and then play NBA Live 2004 on the PlayStation 2, and they're completely different. Um, when, when I say completely different, the mechanics are the same, like overall, I'm talking about the pacing NBA live 2004 for the PlayStation two is a lot more under control. The game speed isn't as crazy. Um, it, it doesn't feel like as, as such a hectic mess, but if you play, um, it'd be live 2004 on the GameCube, It feels much faster. Hmm. So it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, get your hands on them if you can. Um, I recommend you grabbing a GameCube anyway. I think GameCube is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I found that to be interesting because I go back and forth and play them, and, and it, it seems that the, the, the PlayStation 2 um, version is more under control. 
that that is intriguing because you you would think it's it is basically the same port the port of the same version of the game and the same one we got on pc but for the the patching abilities obviously the modding abilities so yeah that's interesting that, it, that it's different is it is do you think it's a frame rate issue possibly i have no idea all i know is uh, maybe i'm losing my mind but i go back and, and i go back and forth between them yeah. and i'm like it feels different um so it's an interesting way to look at it and i'd be curious if anybody else on the podcast listening to the podcast has um played both of those or can revisit them somehow let me know what you think because um i enjoy playing the playstation 2 version more than the gamecube version um because of the the feel of it that's that is definitely interesting you know if i ever get the opportunity that will be uh one of the first things I first things I look for because that was something we always asked about when we had interviews back in the day was the the PC version the console version the same and after a while when it, when it was being ported from the PS2 version then uh, they would say oh no it's it's basically the same though sometimes I felt it was different and maybe it's just PC performance versus console performance or something like that but it's uh, yeah it, it's supposed to be essentially the same game like you say the same mechanics and everything but uh, something something slightly different between the two versions and it's you know comes down to processing power or whatever yeah it could be it could be something to do with that um i think both games are equally reactive um and by the way the one that i grew up with playing the most was playstation 2 um so yeah i just think gamecube and dreamcast are underrated and i'll be mad at you if you don't end up getting them at some point so (laughs) see what the budget allows (laughs) i suppose but uh yeah we've talked we've touched on the simplicity of those those games that people people look back at those games and they see the, the more primitive graphics and maybe it doesn't have some of the features of of modern games and and they perhaps underrate them a little bit and and we can look back at it differently because we've seen the the progression from those old games to the new and you know i often talk about it from a graphic standpoint and i i say it all the time i know the, the seeing the player faces with a couple of dots for eyes and we've now come to full 3d scans and everything so we can perhaps appreciate that and i think we talked about 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 that a little bit last week when we reflected on being uh, older game older basketball games being part of the older demographic but we're not alone in looking back at those old games and seeing some of the simplicity of the controls of the experience how how straightforward it was and i I think that's i think that's why the original nba jam holds up uh, so well and, and tournament edition as well they hold up so well because it is very straightforward it's pick up and play you don't have to learn a whole lot of uh, difficult maneuvers and you don't have to learn which animations uh, are the ones to pick and choose for your players and things like that and there's there's no meta gaming or well, there's certainly less meta gaming than than it is than there is now and the simplicity i think is very appealing and, and this applies to a lot of video games from back in the day of course but some of those old games it's still that pretty fun representation of basketball that that holds up and it's interesting how it does and maybe the graphics don't always hold up but the feel of the game and that overall experience it uh, it still doesn't not not for all games as we said but the best games you still pick them up and you say okay yeah this is I, I can see why I enjoyed this back then less detail um, and, and let, let's put it this way less overall animations less overall um, you know complex buttons um, complicated controls less um, combo possibilities less canned animations um so less animations equals less canned animations um most of the time and, and whatnot um create is you know less frustration right so you have less things that can go wrong with your game um you have more simple controls you you, you know what to expect more out of the on-court action 
um, you, you know, you, the basics are still there. Like, um, you, we can still run isolations. You can still run pick and rolls. You can still run a screenplay. Um, you can still run plays and, and all of that stuff in those older games or most of the older games. Um, so the basics of basketball are still there. Um, but with less frustration surrounding the gameplay. Um, so I think that, um, you know, simple controls, um, still and simple action can still have, um, a really competitive nature. I think you can agree. You can still compete against them at a high level with those basics, um, with less frustration that you get, um, you know, from the more, um, complicated games today. So I definitely think that it's underrated, um, and, um, overlooked how the, you know, the, how those gameplay, the, how the gameplay in those older games can still be a huge draw and you can still have a lot of fun based on the fact that you have far less frustration, um, than you get with the newer games. I think it's also a case of being overwhelmed by features and options. I know there's, there's people who look at my league in the recent games and see all these different options and, and sliders and everything and and kind of balk at it and, and say what do we do what do we change and ideally all of those settings should be pretty much okay to not change out of the box but and, and don't get me wrong it is important that those settings are there i'm absolutely not advocating that we get rid of those settings from my league uh, you know it, it's you, you go back to association mode in, in old games and dynasty franchise in, in older nba live nba 2k uh, games and not being able to change trade frequency or, or simulated injury frequency and things like that. We absolutely need to have those options now. So it's, it's good to have those moving parts, but it can also be very confronting to see all those options and people just kind of go, whoa, you know, it's, uh, what do I change? Do I have to change anything? What are the best settings? And there's so many moving parts that when you, when you take that out, you can do, it's just you and the controller and the options and the, very straightforward. Uh, even though I do think we need that depth now, uh, by presenting it to people, it can be very intimidating, and I think people do miss just being able to pick up and play, and and sometimes have that taken care of for them. I think part of it too, if you think about it, is the online experience. You can't have everybody out there playing exactly the same; it will ruin it. So if you you know if you try to bring in NBA Shootout 2004, for example, and you try to put that online in, in 2020 and say, "Hey, create your player." go out and play against other people. Um, how much fun do you think people would be having with that? <laughs> same animations. Oh. Everyone, everyone's got the same animations. Yeah. 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 Like, Hey, you do the same thing I do. Oh, we have the exact same shooting form. Oh, you know, we have the same exact dunk package, all of us. Um, so I think that for the online portion, um, you have to have, um, you know, more complicated and more detailed um, and more authentic stuff. Right. So for people to be able to distinguish themselves from one another um, and create that separation um, and skill gap as well. Um, But I think as far as, um, you know, season or my league play um, or play now or local play and all of that stuff, all the offline stuff, I think that those games still hold up for the fun factor. Um, for the reasons that we talked about. And I do agree with you as far as like there's now essentials that kind of need to be in my league. Um, that are expected um, and in 2020 should be there. Yeah, but they, at the same time, they can be intimidating because if people think, people see options, they think they need to mess with the options. I think that's... Uh, and, and if there's something that I could stress to people, it's that the options are there if you need them. But for, uh, ideally, the default options should be... Uh, or default settings should give you a pretty good experience. And I, I think that's a, a thing we've talked about before when we talk about sliders. 
that NBA Live settings in particular need to be really good out of the box. 2K as well, but Live perhaps is, is the more uh, more of a pressing issue in that game of, of late. But having those settings pretty good out of the box and just allowing people to tweak if they want that little bit more realism or a little bit little less realism or if something doesn't feel quite right uh, for their for their liking, that's when you can tweak it. But the, the, what you get out of the box uh, should be pretty optimized straight away. First impression is so important, and it's where Live has failed you know, miserably um, through many titles that they've released with the demo gameplay um, and, and whatnot. Uh, Live 19 was the opposite. It had the good first impression, and then it kind of got hurt with patches um but yeah. the game needs to be yeah the game needs to be mechanically sound um and with good settings out of the box in order to give that appropriate first impression so people can pump up your game so on social media too on youtube and whatnot and show gameplay videos and hype up your game um you know because as you and i both know the first couple you know the hype season so pre-release um and then the first couple weeks release of the release is where people where the companies make their most sales um and the the bottom line is is that that's why that first impression is so important um and when i say you know you know they make their most sales you you could probably say well the well, the person's playing the game they bought it that's not that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about how they also see the game right Definitely. you know people are going on youtube people are going on youtube and viewing these videos by the millions to say am i going to buy this does this game look like last year's game and they're listening to how the people are talking about it and yes influencers lie let's be honest um but they are looking at the game to see how it plays and do you think those influencers are touching sliders before going into gameplay yeah. or game or yeah. companies like the bgs right. network um or other um big uh you know like uh let's see what's the one of them next gen gaming i want to say is what their name is or something like that um do you think that those people are going in and messing with the sliders before putting a game on on youtube no unless they're actually uh, talking about except for the people who talk about slider settings I, I think a lot of people and, and we did touch on this i believe in our sliders episode a lot of people simply don't it, it's it's something that people remain kind of ignorant of yeah, they don't. They, they And this is why I said it's so important, because most of the time what people do, and I've talked about this about in my inner circle, you know, people that I work with and, and friends and whatnot, the only thing they do is they choose a difficulty level and go and play, right? And that's like the, that's the majority of gamers. They, they're, they're not messing with sliders. Sliders is still kind of niche, if you really think about it, like the amount of people that yeah. actually mess with them. Well, uh, also, also as people have moved on to, to modes like My Career and My Team and the Connected Online Experiences – they're a moot point anyway. Right. Is it niche or niche? Niche, niche, whatever. Uh, I, uh, I say niche, but I'm Australian, so I, I, I also say tomato, so there you go. So, okay, there you go. Um, but yeah, I do think that um, the game just needs to be strong out of the box for that first impression, especially for a company like EA um, in their releases of NBA Live, where they release a demo on, uh, you know, that people can see and play um, before they purchase. Oh, absolutely. As far as retro games, and we're obviously the two of us looking to expand our collections every so often when we do get the opportunity to uh, to look for a, a cheap way of doing so. Because I don't know about you, but I don't I don't have uh, two thousand dollars around to get an NBA Jam arcade cabinet or uh, <laughs> or eight thousand dollars for a NBA Elite Eleven or something like that. Um, what are you looking to, if anything, are you looking to add to your collection next? 
You know what game I've never played, and you're not going to believe this, is In Flight. Really? Wow. I've never played Michael Jordan In Flight. I've never, and so I think that would be next. Um, pretty crazy I haven't played that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but, that, that, that is a, it's a decent one. I've done a Wayback Wednesday on it. You can go and check that out. It's a video, one of my few videos for Wayback Wednesday, actually. Um, you might enjoy that. It's uh, That's an interesting one because you it's... The only, not the only game that I've only basketball game that I've played with that uses a mouse, but it might be the only one that really uses it exclusively. And it's got the the instant replay features, as you've probably seen, uh, replay editing, which is pretty cool. And and yeah, the whole concept and the little uh, full motion video clips of uh, MJ giving you a thumbs up and uh, or going ugh when you miss a shot. It's uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised you haven't played that one. It's uh, it's definitely worth checking out. It will work in DOSBox. So it's, yeah, definitely worth picking up. Yeah, I'll let you know when I get it. Um, it's definitely something that I will be getting because how do you how do I not have that as part of my collection, I guess? So, yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, you know, the other cool thing, too, is if you're getting those on PC, you can use something like XPatter or um, a control mapping software. Yeah. And basically, if it is mouse only and you still want to use a controller, you can just map, map it to the controller. That's so true. that's probably something that I'll approach. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't tried that. That might be a, way, a better way of doing it. it um, yeah, and it's it's very unusual to get a PC-exclusive basketball game as well. So that's what makes it interesting as well. We talked about that with NBA Inside Drive 2000. That yeah. was like a PC-exclusive. Um, that was a disappointment. But, yeah, I still didn't get it to work. I still I can't get it to work. I it was just kind of disappointing. I have it in my collection, but I can't get it to work. But what other games are you looking at getting? Uh, I am looking for Shootout, obviously. Uh, I, it's very again very hard to find a, a PAL version of, of that. Um, it, it may be we, we were talking about it before that I may have to get a, an NTSC version and, and just use it with a with an emulator, which is uh, legal if you have that the copy. So it, it might come down to that. It's it's kind of a shame not to be able to you play it on original hardware obviously, but it, it may come down to that. Um, yeah, because my, my collection is pretty broad at the moment, uh, I, I've, and I've got a few on the way, including NCAA Basketball 09 for PS3. Uh, it would be nice to get NBA 06 uh, for PS2 just to complete that series. Um, yeah, at, at the moment, I, I think my collection has kind of gotten so expansive that it's there's, there's not too many gaps um, Maybe some from the, uh, the maybe the Super Nintendo era that I don't have, um, or, or the 16-bit era, I should say. Maybe something like that. There is actually one that I'm looking at, and uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put it out there as a little bit of a trivia note as we uh, as we start to wrap up this show. It's, some, it's one that I'm looking at. I might have it by next week, or certainly will have ordered it because uh, I found a, a one on eBay that's a pretty good price. It's a it's a game from before you or I were born. So that's 1984. It is before 1984. So that's you're looking at the age of that one. So I'm, I found it, and I'm, I'm looking at, uh, at picking that up. Um, I've got it uh, in my watch list on uh, eBay, <laughs> and certainly thinking about it because it's a really good price for it. But uh, I'll leave that out there as a as a trivia note uh, for people to uh, make their guesses in the social media or in the comment section or in the forum, and I'll, I'll let you know off air, Derek, which one it is and. Uh, do you I think th- I have an do, idea. Do you think you know which one it is? I think I do, but I'll talk to you about it off air. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do. Um, I don't want to give it away, but I'm pretty sure I do. Um, but, you know, another game that I think you should look at, I don't know. Oh, first off, if I bought you NBA um, Shootout 2000, if I bought NBA Shoot- Shootout 2004, you wouldn't be able to play it if I sent it to you, right? So you basically need, because I don't understand exactly how that works. 
like how is it do you uh like what version so you can't go basically you can't go on amazon no in order a shootout 2004 and it would work uh no because uh yeah so it, it is a different uh television format and the uh and it's the same with electronics with games so if you if you've ever seen a PAL uh, Super Nintendo, it's got the it's a different shape. It's actually closer to the Super Famicom in shape, and it has uh, the colorful buttons instead of just the purple uh, buttons. Uh, and it's got a different even the shape of the cartridges is slightly different as well. Um, you could back in the day for the Super Nintendo get a converter, an NTSC converter, so you could play NTSC cartridges on a PAL system. I don't know if it went the other way because I, I don't probably not because you you had more there were there were more American exclusives than there were Australian exclusives and European exclusives I'm sure, um, so and there were modern consoles and things like that. But and it's the same with with like DVDs is that they were re, they're region locked. So if, yeah, the NTSC uh, um, disc won't work in my PAL P, uh, PlayStation Two. Uh, when I got the Michael Jordan uh, cover, the the Japanese. Uh, NBA Live 2002, which is also it's Japan, it's NTSC J, uh, th- that region. That I had to, I can only play that in an emu- in the in the emulator. So I'd have to use it in the emulator. That so that is a, that will work. Uh, but if I pop that into my PAL uh, European Australian PS2, it will uh, it will just say it can't read the disc because it's actually a different format. Okay, so what if you had a non-PAL P- PlayStation 2? Then, like, if you would that wouldn't work either. Uh, so I, like like let's I I, I mean because well the thing is because you you guys have got uh, different voltages coming out of your power. Oh, yeah. um, okay, so it wouldn't even work, right? Um, okay, you can you uh, can get you can get uh, different you can get uh, the adapters for the for the PowerPoint as well because you because we've got different power plugs. If you look at the shape of our plugs, they're different. So you do need to get some adapters to get it to work. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, yeah, it's it's kind of got to be a case of getting a uh, a power. Now that's the great thing about the ps3 and why i got the ps3 um and, and why i wanted it the ps3 is because it's uh it's region free as are ps4 and xbox one uh xbox 360 was not so i wasn't able to import on 360 ps3 i can uh, well i could import but only from the uk because they're pal as well um which uh yeah so with with ps3 i can it, it was region free so i can i can import from the states for that but ps2 and earlier uh it has to be pal Makes sense. All right, so that's uh, I was thinking about trying to find ways to get you the game, um, but you know, we like we talked about before the call. I guess you could always buy the game and then get it on the emulator, so it's legal. So Pretty you know, much, yeah. at least you have like a physical copy, um, e- even if it's one that you can't actually play on your console. Uh, the other thing too is, um, you know, as an older game, I think that would be good for you to pick up if you don't have it already. And you were talking about the Sega Genesis days, even though it's not a very good game gameplay wise, is Double Dir- Dribble Playoff Edition. Yes, yes, I've heard that that one, yeah. Yeah, it'd be an interesting game for you to add to your collection because obviously it's the reboot of Double Dribble, but it's just, it's it's a crazy game. Gameplay's interesting, so. Well, that, that's definitely one to keep on, on the list. Uh, as, as far as the, the well-known ones that have been, uh, well, there's, there's an NBA uh, Shootout 2000 for PC. That's another PC one that I wouldn't mind getting, but I haven't been able to find that one. That's That's rare. I played that back in the day. I do not have that one. Um, I do not have that one right now. Um, but I did have it for the PC when I was younger. And from what I remember, um, it wasn't that bad. But again, it's been a while. 
So you know the, the crazy thing because I, I mentioned in my Friday Five this week about games with untapped money potential, and I mentioned NBA Action '98, which of course again is the PC. And I also believe the Saturn version of uh, Fast Break '98. I think that's called uh, NBA Action '98 as well. The Saturn version, certainly the PC version is. But we do have tools to edit the uh, NBA Action '98 on PC. You have to use a virtual machine and, and on an earlier version of Windows. It won't work on Windows seventy, uh, Windows seven or sixty-four bit, uh, Windows seven or ten. Eight, whatever is sixty-four bit Windows. It won't work on. Um, so, it kind of has to be Windows ninety-eight or two thousand. And I believe it also needs access, or it needs some kind of module that, that won't run, which is why we can't want to run it on a, a more modern Windows and sixty-four bit. But we do actually have an editor for it, and we have custom rosters. There's there's a couple of them in the in the download section in the forum. Uh, it's one of those games that when I get those games on PC, I'm thinking, what can we do? And <laughs> is it possible to edit these games? Um, and, and I know that also for Inside Drive 2000 for, with the EA Graphics Editor, there is a plugin, and it's in the download section as well, that we can actually edit the art files in that game. So it's kind of a shame you can't get that to work because it would be interesting to kind of mess around with that. Well, I'm a little disappointed because I still never received NBA Action 98. Oh, that's right, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I remember I ordered that a couple months ago. Um, so I'm going to have to reorder that. Um, and also look for – it's pretty crazy that I haven't done this yet, but – I should have probably already looked for a um, refund, but I didn't get that, but I haven't done that yet because I've been lazy. So, um, but yeah, as far as like the in-game editors and stuff, it would be cool to see a modded NBA Fast Break slash NBA Action 98 and, and NBA Inside Drive if I could even get it to work. So, If nothing else, you can get rid of, uh, you, you can make roster player into Michael Jordan, so that's that's something. Or we could turn Michael Jordan into roster player. How about that? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. When, when is you know we 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 talk about the last dance. When is like the last roster player going to be? Uh, what what kind of documentary is that going to be? Remember the uh, the Live King recently on NBA Live nineteen, um, he created roster player. That's right. He showed yeah. some screenshots yeah. of it. Um, so roster player will always be a be a legend. And that is an- another thing that uh, you know as we wrap up here, what we remember of those old games. How how mind blowing it is these days because we just get NBA games these days and they've got all the players in them plus a bunch of retro players, some of whom were never in games back in the day because they predated basketball games in many respects. I, you know how far they go back with the retro players these days, but how how it was just a thing that you would either have not have Jordan in the game so you'd have uh, Steve Kerr starting alongside Ron Harper perhaps, or you'd have a roster player in for a few years there. That uh, and it was it was just a thing. It was just something we did, and we either overrode the roster player on PC. A lot of the times, we just uh, put a new face on him and, and changed the attributes and the name with the editors, or you released him into the the free agents and, and created a replacement Jordan, or, or you just made do with uh, okay, yeah, we know that's Jordan. He doesn't have the name, so we'll just pretend he is, as was the intention. Uh, and it was just a thing. And it, if you grew up with games in that time, you remember roster player. Like you throw it out there with. Um, with with people who remember games from that time, and you get roster player, and they go, ah, yep, yep, I I remember that. You know, it's funny too. People don't think about this, but Charles Barkley and Shaq were also roster players. Yeah, um, in yep. a couple, in a few games. Uh, um, but Live Jordan's 90, obviously was, uh, exclusive to Live ninety seven was Shaq. It, it it says on the back of the Live ninety seven box, uh, NBA Live has Shaq! Exclamation mark. Yeah, big deal, right? Because yeah. it's Shaq. So <laughs> these days, you know, it, these it, days it would it you'd be like my brother. <laughs> can, can you imagine that these days like, like NBA 2K20 has James Harden well of course it has James Harden he's in the NBA why, do, why wouldn't it 
Right. It's unbelievable. Like you said, back then we just kind of accepted it. Yeah. Uh, for what it was. But, you know, it's funny. But if, before um, my brother and I got it truly into PC gaming in, the, um, in like, around 2013, we refused to, quote-unquote, compromise the integrity of the game by creating players that weren't in it or editing players that you know weren't in it so for example i mean we, we that would like 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 live 98 but i'm talking about more recent like i'll give you an example so nba 2k 14 for the um for the xbox one and ps4 uh so obviously you didn't have like a creative player thing but you also didn't have a lot of um like you didn't have like all the all time teams and all that stuff. So my brother and I wanted to do like a fantasy draft roster with the best version of each player, but we couldn't do it with that game without editing the players. Like I'd have to go in and edit Kevin Garnett and make him at his 0304 self. Right. Yeah. But we wouldn't do it because we felt that that was compromising the integrity of the game. And we're like, Oh, we're, we can't go above and beyond what 2k does. Um, and that's similar to like, you know, back then, even like in the nineties where we were like, you know how they had the in game create a player feature? Yep. We were like, we can't create Michael Jordan. That's not right. <laughs> like we can't do that. That's not right using Michael Jordan on the court. But our mindsets have been completely flipped, um, because we're more aware of the inaccuracies in two K's default rosters. That's and so, games that's so default. Interesting, I, I I love doing I love creating players back in the day and making those custom rosters. So it's kind of interesting that that you kind of felt the, the other you felt so opposite to that, that 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 it was as you say compromising the integrity of the game to to customize the rosters in that way right well now you know my brother and i look at it as is we're kind of subject matter experts right right so we see like the copy and paste jobs and the issues now and we're like you know what we can make these players play more realistic on the floor so, you know, now, you know, as you notice, like the 2K17 rosters and the stuff that I've been working on, um, I feel perfectly, we, we feel perfectly capable, as you do you with NBA 2K11, to make accurate rosters, accurate players, make them play right on the floor, on the floor, make them play better than what 2K has them by default playing on the floor. But it's funny how the mindset changed. And most of the, that um, mindset changed when we really got into PC modding with the UBR, right? Like when we downloaded the UBR and the other mods and seeing all the different players and all the touch-ups we'd like to make and stuff like that. So I just found that fascinating when you were talking about, you know, like you were talking about in-game editors and yep. creating players and stuff like that. We didn't feel good about that back then. Like we felt like we were compromising the interesting, integrity yeah. of the game. Interesting change, yeah. difference in philosophy. And uh, but as you say, it, it changed when you saw what was possible with mods and everything and... Uh, I suppose, in in many respects, that is the uh, the essence of modding. Is that the the latest the chapter? Essence. Yes, that was the latest chapter in the book, the essence, the of, essence modding, of modding, which will never be finished. Yeah, never never be finished, and uh, we'll uh, have all kinds of DLC. <laughs> Absolutely, you are going to have to pay through the teeth for this for this book. So. It's going to be available on OnlyFans and uh, other sort of inappropriate platforms for the the subject matter. But hey, you know. Spreading, spreading the word however we can. No, actually, no, it really won't be. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it is always fun to look back on, on these games and and compare them to the experience, the modern experience, and our expectations to what they were. And it's uh, always when when you pull out the games, which ones hold up and which ones don't hold up, and how they how they do and how they don't. And and and, and as you brought up uh, on the show, 
the uh, we've talked about it before, but certainly it was always fun to revisit the the things that are older than you expect, whether it's a a shot meter or the the retro filters, things like that, that you realize that a lot of people were looking to do and these ideas, and it's uh, maybe speak to uh, society in general. We we often think of things as being more recent than they are, but uh, even if they weren't as advanced or if they uh, perhaps done in high def or whatever, uh, these ideas have been around for years, whether it's video games or music or TV or, or comedy or anything, but certainly with basketball video games, there were some people doing some pretty creative stuff back in the day on the virtual hardwood, and uh, yeah, cre- and credit to them, and and it, it's certainly their ideas that I'm quite happy for Live and 2K to, to steal moving forward, because they, they are ideas that are evergreen, they can be upgraded, updated, I should say, for the modern games, I'm all for it. We were creative, and companies were creative as well. A lot of good ideas from back then. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that has brought us to the end of episode number 324 of the NLC podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's discussion. Uh, I know we did. No, I I love this. Um, Anytime we can dive into um, retro gaming, I love it. We will, of course, revisit the games that we <laughs> revisit ourselves in the in the coming weeks. I'm sure that will be a recurring topic here as we both add to our collections. And once again, uh, let me know if you can guess the game that I am coveting currently. Once again, it is a game from before 1984. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if anybody has the correct guess on that one. And certainly when we, once we finish recording here, uh, whether you can uh, have got that guess as well. But... Uh, of course, we are on social media, but before I get into all of the plugs and the other information about the show, uh, where can we find you, D? Um, you can find me on the NLSC, um, D for 3. I'm a contributor over there on Twitter at D for 384, um, my YouTube channel, D for 3, and then also on the NLVC. And of course, Derek and I do this show each and every week. comes out Sundays. Uh, morning uh, U.S. time, I believe, and evenings Australian time. It comes out on the NLSC, of course. Um, you can stream it on the on the site. You can also find us on various podcatching apps, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, to name just three of the big ones. But I also believe we're on Google Podcasts. And there's a couple of others that people have mentioned that I'm, I didn't even know that I'd submitted them to there, so they've, they've picked up the RSS feed, so that's cool. Uh, you can find us on those platforms, and sometimes, some of them you can leave a review as well, and hopefully a positive one if you enjoy the show. Uh, subscribe on those platforms, search for NLC Podcast, look for the logo, and that will be us. Or again, keep streaming on the NLC itself. Uh, as we always say, as long as you're tuning in each and every week and enjoying what we're talking about with basketball video games, that is the main thing. As for social media, I'm also on Twitter at AndrewNLSC. The NLSC itself is on Facebook and Twitter at the NLSC. We're on Instagram, NLSC Basketball. We're on YouTube, NBA Live Series Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, nba-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for episode number 324 of the NLC Podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone.